0: And now, weighing
1: in, out of the blue
0: corner, Josh the Punk Thompson. 100% And on the other mic, he weighs in. in. From the red corner, Big Sean McCarthy. All right, here we go one more time again. Before the end of the year, we have another edition of the Weighing In Podcast, presenting the Punk, Josh Thompson, and myself, john mccarthy and we've got now not podcast dave since he's got one week left of vacation we've got the man the myth the legend g on
2: on the controls
0: he will be giving out a plethora of questions because it is q and a day for us Mm -hmm. even though i think there's a ton of stuff for us to talk about (laughs) in the world of mma in fact
1: (laughs) we're kind of hot right now which
0: i enjoy
1: yes It was surprising. We were thinking, no fights. What are we gonna do? And man, oh hey, let's do a fit Let's they do this. Bring first. it to us, Gian, What's my microphone at? Uh, seven. Seven. What is John's microphone at? Yeah, seven as well. Seven as well. Okay, did you turn it up when you got here? Because you got yeah. murdered in the comment section. <laughs> there were put a so. I don't. No. 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 They wanted it up because they couldn't hear me. I guess I thought I sounded fine, but they said when it came down to the video that John was loud and I was low, and I was like, "Well, that's that's rare because people normally don't want to hear me." Like uh, I was going to say, man, this, like. is, this is something special because, see, everyone
0: wants to hear you now, Josh. Oh, that's good. That's, I don't know. <laughs> You're growing on people. You're like a fungus, baby.
1: If they can't hear what I'm saying, they have nothing to bitch about in the comment section. Oh, there you go. Okay, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> no, I love it, man. I love it. Uh, yeah, they were uh, they were just saying that like, I was a little low and then you were a little higher and th- sometimes it was a little staticky and this and that. So I just want to make sure that we're they understand that we read the comments occasionally, not all the time, and we uh, take some of them serious. That'd be one of them that we want to make sure the audio is on point that is Gion's job podcast dave never lets that slip but Gion you know obviously was letting it slip so we got to get on him. Like, you know i'm gonna ride you buddy you got one more week of my abuse i'm not gonna let you slide no way um let's let okay so let's let's uh let's get into this this video with dana white <laughs> all right let's let's go. get into the video he, he there was a quote from you in there and I think it, needs, yeah. it when, ne- when did that, when did that quote occur? Yes. Yeah, that's when the, the time frame I is the most it. important. Oh it's-
0: no, 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 no. This is the, here's the best part of this whole thing. Let's hear here's it. Here's a guy that says, I don't give a fuck about the media. First off, I don't even look at us as media, but that's okay. I love but it. But the, I don't give a fuck about the media, but then he always complains about clickbait. You know, these media guys and that clickbait bullshit that they do. And it's like, and what the fuck did you and your little team do, man? You little <laughs> clickbait bitch. I just cracked up, man. I go, you are so pathetic that wow. you actually. First off, you need to have your own little pat on the back. Okay, let me pat you on the back. Because you took everything out of context. Yeah. You made it to where you were the hero. Congratulations, hero, Dana. Oh, let me bow down to you. Unbelievable. My God. When are you going to figure out, you know what? Just don't worry about it. Do your thing. You did. You did great. The UFC had a fantastic year, but let's be honest about everything that occurred, and let's be honest about your video because your video is clickbait,
1: and it's bullshit, and it's out of context, so... Just ridiculous. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think the context was definitely key. We were talking in terms of it was like less than a month later after the march had shut down. They were trying to force the Lamar fight. And we yep. said, look, Tachi no one-
0: Palace.
1: Yep, it's Hachi Palace. Everything was worked out. They literally got a call from, uh, it was it Gavin Newsom? And Dianne Feinstein called Warner Brothers and told them, hey, we just got to Disney and said, hey, we got to dial this down okay let's give it another couple of weeks and we can keep trying to push this but we're gonna we need to dial this down all right but but let, let, during that let, time you and i had a conversation ahead. about the fact that this really wasn't the right time and we wanted we wanted bellator to keep going too but at the Hell time yes. at the time we we understood why because we had no i nobody knew what was going on yet just nationwide <clears throat> um but i think Yes, the like context is key. The time frame was key. Once he was able to put a show on, we were we were his we were fucking cheerleaders. I was one hundred percent supporting. We were fucking cheerleaders for him. When so. he
0: went to Jacksonville, Florida, yeah. I was one of his biggest supporters because he wasn't doing what he was doing with the Tachi Palace and Lamore fight. That was illegal. Yeah. He was leading himself down into a path. That look, the California State Athletic Commission refused to regulate the show in Lemoore at the Tachi Palace. Yeah. They said we are not going to do that. We do not want you to have that there. And this is going back to look. We we and Dana's part of it. He's done so much to try to get the sport regulated and everything. And he was taking a huge step backwards in trying to put on a show at the Tachi Palace. That was not. He can sit there and say whatever he wants to say. He was going to self-regulate the show. That was a huge mistake, and it was a mistake for every official. You see, he put California officials, and we talked about this back then. He put Herb Dean in a horrible spot. Yeah. He put, you know, if it was Jason Herzog or Mike Beltran or all these, they could, they can't do that show. They so can now our job. Yes, because they're gonna get unlicensed by the California state athletic commission. And then once you have that, or they're going to get suspended. And when you get suspended now, when you go to get a license anywhere and look at when, you know, Jason or Herb or Mike goes to any state, be it Florida, Illinois, they come to Tennessee, they go to Kentucky where they have to get licensed. And on that form, every time is something of have you ever been suspended Yep. now they've got to put it on there yes and they've got to explain what happened why they got suspended and now they're giving an opportunity to another athletic commission to say oh we're not going to use you it, it just it, it was putting people in a really bad spot now i understand if you're just the fan of the ufc and you want to see fights i want to see fights too And I love what the UFC puts out as a product. But when you take huge steps backwards to put on a show, and let's just be flat out honest of why Dana was so intent on putting out shows. It wasn't because he was so into, oh, I want to keep my people employed. He needed to put on those shows so he could get the money from ESPN because he had a 42 fight. Contract status contract that he had to meet for him to get his $750 million. Now, by putting on the shows, I love the fact that he kept all the fighters being able to make a living. Fantastic. I love the fact that he put nobody from the staff, nobody got cut. Those are all beautiful things, big time things, but that all happened from that first show in Jacksonville forward because he was able to put on those shows and that's what it was all about that's what we were talking about i don't yeah. I, I was not the guy who was against him doing it i was against him trying to do what was basically an illegal show in the state of california that got shut down yeah and it got shut down by his bosses now it's really it's kind of funny that all of his little editors and everything with his video they didn't put joe rogan on there you know why I wonder why. Let's see. Oh, because it doesn't look good because Joe Rogan said what? (laughs) I am not going to do any commentary. I don't know who they're going to get, but it ain't going to be me. Uh, Yeah. Okay, because he didn't know what was going on and he was worried about stuff. And that's okay for him to be worried about it. You and I, as we looked at it, you know, we didn't know a lot. But the one person that we did know that really got sick, he almost died. And he was a friend of ours. Yeah. And so we you know, we're looking at going. Hey, you, we we don't know enough about
1: who this is going to affect. Right, And it now. was right after our show that got canceled. He went home and he went to the and He got on it on the way he, home. Yeah, he got it on the way home. Yep. Uh, you know, I think real the, to put it all in the context, we were more talking about the fact that you're putting refs, judges, all the people that work for the commission in Jeff. They're going to lose their license or lose their job or be a suspended for a certain amount of time for one show. There's nothing that like Dana would have had to compensate them for a year's pay, maybe even two, given that now it's lasted a a year long. I mean, they would have they would have had to be compensated long enough to for them to actually make up all the money that they would have lost during the time that these fights were going on. And Dana wasn't gonna be ready to do that. So really you're putting other even though you're employing all your fighters, you were not gonna be employing the rest of the refs and the judges and everyone else that worked that show behind the scenes. They wouldn't be able to work probably for the whole year, maybe even longer. They were screwed. Yeah, they would have been screwed. So, yeah, that being said, I think um that's more of the perspective that you and I were talking about. And there was that that moment of nobody knew how how this thing was, how deadly it was. And let's let's figure this out first. Because I'm someone that's like, yeah, fucking let's go. Like just the same, z- same thing with you. I know you are, you know. Um, like it really just comes down to like just. You're, you're we're, we're surrounded by the, some of the healthiest fucking people in the world. These athletes, <laughs> MMA fighters are some of the healthiest fucking people in the world. Maybe not outside of fighting. I don't know. <laughs> but when they're when they're or, in, or, yeah. or the day of weigh ins Yeah, but the, 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 the day I mean, basically from the time that they know that they, they're always training. That's one thing. They're always taking their supplements. They're always doing their protein. They're always taking care of their body. They're trying to do the best they can. Sure, we get a little bloomed up sometimes and sometimes we don't. But they're still on schedule of, of taking care of themselves. We just didn't know what it was, and that's the comments that we were talking about: jeopardizing people losing their livelihood for a year after, maybe even longer, losing their license. Period. And other states will not employ them. It's 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 not easy to to establish yourself in in being a ref or a judge or any of those things. And when you finally do, you don't want it ruined for one show. Yeah, yeah. and that's the, that was. I'm the, gonna I'm
0: gonna make Dana happy, or yeah. I'm going to. Not make him happy, so now he doesn't want to use me on his shows, or I make him happy. Now the state athletic commissions won't use me on the shows. Yeah, you're in a you're in, a, in a shitty position, a horrible catch twenty two position.
1: Yeah, uh, like I said, it was the, uh, you were right. I didn't even think of it in terms of Dana talking about clickbait, and yet this was clickbait. But total, there was a ton of stuff in there that uh, I thought was kind of funny because I think there was some talks from Stephen A. and some other, and I, you know, you know me, I was kind of like, don't. <laughs> When I get to when I get to the, like some of the the mainstream people that cover MMA, I'm just I just want to just fucking strangle them sometimes, <laughs> you know, because they just don't they don't understand that the process of which Dana went through to get this sport going, what it is, Lorenzo, Dana, and everybody else, even yourself, being involved, went through to get this sport on the on the stage that it's on now. And you are right; it would have set the sport back. And I'm glad that they, I'm glad that one fight didn't happen when they went to Jackson, when they went to Florida, I was like, hell yeah, this is time. It's been long enough. Everything seems like it's on track. Uh, the, the curve or whatever the hell you want to call it was on the down and he was working on it he was trying to make sure that his fighters are active. People need to remember. I like when he said, sure, he was trying to get his employees paid or fighters, you know, to make money because they do. A lot of them do live paycheck to paycheck, depending on where they live. And I understand that you understand that. I know you do. Um, but at that time, it wasn't the right time, and that's real. That's relatively what we were saying. Yeah, well, and you take a look
0: at you know the content. The, we walked away from a show that was supposed to be March thirteenth. yep when all of this kind of just blew up, the UFC had that show that was scheduled for Brasilia, Brazil, on the fourteenth. Mm-hmm. Now they went through with that show, and they went through with it. You know, I understand why, but no crowd. But there was no testing, nothing, none none of that was there. And that's where Charles Charles Oliveira ended up beating Kevin Lee in the main event. And then you had Dana. He was talking about the Tony Ferguson versus Khabib fight. That fight was scheduled. It was supposed to be in April. And that's the one that he was fighting to put forward. Well, then it got to the point where he knew that fight wasn't going to happen because Khabib he couldn't get here
1: yeah
0: you know he was being held and there was no way that you know not held but being unable to get a v his visa or you know the ability to get out of his country to come to fight so that he knew that fight wasn't but then he was stuck in that oh I, i i gotta make this happen and it became you know justin gaethje against tony ferguson and all of it Every bit of it was bad. And there was a big time employees out of the UFC. Look, I was talking to them. I'm saying, you guys can't do this. And they're going, we know, we know it. Yeah. Like, we, we know we're, we're trying, you know? And I said, you realize what this is going to do. And they go, we know, but you know, this, he's the boss and we've got it. We got to try to work around this and make him understand it in a different way. And so that's what it was all yeah. about. Once, they were going to Jacksonville and Jacksonville in mm-hmm. Florida was open and saying, Yes, we're going to have this. We're, we're going to be doing testing. All the stuff that they did from that point. Hey, congratulations. Did an outstanding job. Yes. Obviously, nothing was foolproof. Look at how many fights you lost. Mm-hmm. All right. Bellator lost fights. The UFC. And that's the new norm. You're going to lose fights. It's not the UFC's fault. They can't keep everybody healthy. They can't keep someone from not getting, you know, the the coronavirus or however you want to you know talk about it, COVID-19. But what they can do is try to keep everybody that doesn't get it safe from the person that could possibly give it to them. And that's really what took place. And, you know, they had a lot of cards get kind of smashed based upon health issues. So did Bellator. And all you can do is try to work work through it but I just looked at the entire complexity of what he's doing and it's like, you know, you sit there and you say, I have plenty of money. You're right. You do. Yeah. Okay. You do. And you should be comfortable enough with yourself that you don't have to try to put something out there to pat yourself on the back. Cause you're, you're kind of following people that you show that you like in that they always have to take credit. Real, real leaders. They don't have to take credit.
1: Yeah. Well, it's weird because when i watch espn like now they they kind of pat him on the back but they were talking about that same time frame in which they didn't recommend it they're like no we need to they probably shouldn't Uh, do this this shouldn't happen it was espn and disney that shut him down yeah that's my point my point is is that that time no but then now they look back and they're like yeah it was great that he was making the push he was doing this dana got caught up in the moment of that and this happens to a lot of people is that Gotta when win. you said when you said you were going to do something, you're going to do whatever it takes to do it? It's, a, it it's an yeah. ego thing, and but when, I like that. I love it too. I think I like that. I have no problem with that. That's a big reason why the sport is where it is today. You know, between him and Lorenzo well, and Frank and you, but know, this, and
0: you know, you know, I, I had people that were sitting there saying, you know, you should, you know, you you got to where you're at because of Dana, and every <laughs> you owe everything to Dana. And here, let me make this clear to you, motherfuckers. I was there a long fucking time before Dana White. You want to see a picture of Dana White when I first fucking met him? All right, I'll show you his little dweeby ass. I was not brought in by Dana White. I had to work with Dana White. And I will tell you, Dana White did a great job of making the UFC what it is. He worked his ass off. He deserves a ton of credit for it. But don't think that I fucking owe him anything. I don't owe him anything, and he doesn't owe me anything.
1: That's true. That, those are that's I feel the same way about a lot of fighters, you know, like you don't owe Dana White anything he gave, you know, he gave you a shot in UFC, you put on a show, you earned your way to get there,
0: you know, he, he gave you that spot and gave, you did a
1: job that yeah. made people want to watch. Yep. Don't think that you owe him anything. He pays you for what you provided. Okay. Yeah. And that's that's it's no different than going to a normal fucking job. You provide a service <laughs> and they fucking pay you for it. It's like I that's don't owe it. you anything. So, all right. Uh next one. So T-Wood did something on Snapchat today. What did he do? Um
2: he kind of announces that he f- he feels like he's going to be cut too.
1: Oh, so he he didn't oh, he get feels a, like. he feels like he's going to get t- cut. Okay. Yep. Um look, I, we've talked about this the last 2 weeks. People continue to say that uh I'm being a hater. Uh, <laughs> It it all started with the Tony Ferguson thing, and I think you're going to potentially see Pettis. Pettis didn't get cut, but I think the numbers didn't make sense, and they're trying to cut the fat. And I said the fat Well, they released him. Yeah. He said he got released. But they did it with uh, Anthony Johnson. They did it with Corey Anderson. They did it with Romero, uh, Yoel Romero. They're going to continue to do this with fighters that, look, that they just feel like we're going to keep having you guys fight top guys and potentially beat our younger talent. The contender series is brought up a young uh, group of fighters that we can pay nickels and pennies to and we don't have to worry about it and we can continue to sell because that is the one thing the UFC does better than I think any company even sometimes better than the NFL and the fucking NBA and the Major League Baseball is that they can sell you Fuck it, ice to an Eskimo—that kind of bullshit. They will yeah. tell yeah. you that this fighter is the fucking best, and you—and a lot of people at home people will just—they will just slurp it up, just fucking. Yeah. But that,
0: that's—but that goes to the marketing power yes. UFC has. They do a great and job at that. Yeah, you can't sit there and take anything away from a man. Can wait. My hat's off to you. Way yeah. to go.
1: No, and so. I wouldn't be surprised. And we had talked about this after his last fight when he had fought. We said we could see that this potentially being his last fight in the UFC. I don't see it. Dana had a issue with him when he was champion. he said, and Dana <laughs> came out publicly and said he's the hardest fighter to work with. He there's nothing's ever good enough and he's always hard to to get a fight. He doesn't accept fights on certain opponents. It's just this whole thing he held up some of the division for a rap career. Like he came out and said all these things. And just it really you could I could see that potentially being the end. Um you know, you're seeing it down with Anthony Pettis. Pettis also got released. Um, there's he's still young. What? How old is T Wood? Can you pull up T Wood? I think he's 38. You said 38. He 39. He, he'll be. I think he'll be 39. I think it's in
0: April. Okay. I don't know what.
1: I don't know how you remember people's birthdays, man. I can barely remember their names. It's <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> shit. It's, it's oh, getting close. Yeah, I think I think he's th- he's 38 or 39. He's somewhere 38. 38. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, what is his saying- birthday?
2: April uh seven. What?
1: Look at, yeah, look, at look at that, look at the big it, brother, brain on baby. Big
2: John. Damn, man, I got that one right. <laughs>
1: That's crazy, man. Uh, love T. Wood at 38 years old. I mean, I'm just, this, I'm going to go into the, the Tony Ferguson thing again. They're just going to start cutting the fighters that they feel like will not be champion and that they don't want to beat their younger talent. It's just, I'm just repeating myself, but I know people don't want to hear it. And it's, I'm going to continue to pre- repeat myself. The contender Series has given them an avenue to promote young talented fighters that are willing to take chances in the cage and make it a little bit more exciting until they while they're getting because that's what young fighters do like yeah. Anthony pettis when he was young jumping off the cage flying kicks fucking different types of handstand will kick punt, what all this crap like but that's what made him famous yeah and he's still willing to do it that's why i was a little shocked they were willing to let him go but understanding that he wants a lot of money and yeah. he's, he's not really, he probably doesn't have a chance to be champion again. I think he, I think he would have, could have made a run at 55, but I don't think he would have ever made a run at 70. Not with all the top wrestlers that they have there at the top. Colby, uh, Usman. I mean, even like if he was like with George, I mean, I just don't see, George is hard to take down. He's got great stand up. I mean, it just would, it's not, it's not one of those fights, you know? And like in no. those, in that upper, those upper group, Gilbert Burns, I mean, good jujitsu. Good, I mean, not guys that you want to fight. You know what I mean? He's already beat Steven Thompson, who's number five. Uh, you know, it's just not number one at one seventy. At one fifty five, I can see him potentially making a little bit of a run. I could see it happening. I could. You know, I don't I just don't know if he would get to the title. You know, he, yeah, he, he you never know. But if no. you take a look at the people that are at one fifty five, yeah,
0: for the most part, you know, you're always gonna find the hard match. Yeah. You're always gonna find the one, ah, he's gonna have a hard time with that one. But if you look at that group, he can fight with any of them. Yeah. You know, now I'm not saying that they they won't beat him on a given day, but you know when you've got the Justin Gaethje, Justin could beat him, but Anthony could definitely beat Justin. You know, you got you know Dan Hooker and Tony, and he already had a good fight with Tony. People really don't remember that fight he had with Tony Ferguson, but and that thing was that thing was a barn burner, and he had hurt Tony bad. Yeah, he dropped him in that fight. Yeah, Yeah. and he had him going. You know, Tony was doing all the rolls, which Tony does. But it was a great fight, and then I think he you know, uh, broke his hand or said he broke his hand, and, and Duke Rufus, his trainer, stopped the fight. But look, it was competitive, and he can be competitive with anybody in the 155-pound weight class. So I, I was kind of surprised that they just gave him his release, but it might also have been, and we don't know for sure, it might have been what
1: he asked for. Here's the thing I want people to remember is he's still young.
0: Yeah, he's only thirty three. Yeah,
1: he did a bunch of stuff at such a young age, and he was champion at twenty six. I mean, like it's like when you get when you've you've had so much success at such a young age in that in the UFC or in any promotion, and sometimes you you kind of just you've gone through it all for so long. It's no different than an NFL player and an NBA player who's played on a team for a long time, and it's just like it's not meshing. I'm, I'm kind of tired of the system i'm tired of the coaching and whatever it is you saw it with tom brady just leaving gronkowski they left it's like look i've done this for so long with the same thing i need a change i want something to rejuvenate me let's i mean i don't know if he's gonna go to bellator i haven't talked to the matchmakers and the and the people that do the the contracts i haven't talked to scott coker about it scott came out and said that we will definitely talk with him but just so everyone's clear yeah. they talk to every free agent and <laughs> some say t-
0: the he talks to everybody.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, he talk. You talk to everyone to see if it's even a good fit. Like, is yeah. there good matchups for you in in Bellator that we feel like that could, could that could make this TV worthy? And sure, I think Pettis got a lot left in the tank, especially after watching his last fight. A lot of good movement. A lot of you know the way he just kept the distance. He's done a lot of good things, and I, I think him also with after watching and reading a little bit about you know what he went through during a certain period of his life. Understanding where he's at now is probably the time you want to start uh, looking at him. I'm not saying he'll be champion in Bellator. I'm not saying I don't even know if he is going to come, but if he did come, I hope it would be at 55. Uh, I, I don't want to see him fight guys like Korshkov. I don't want to see him fight guys no. like the only fight that really interests me. But I think he would lose was Lorenz Larkin like that would be a fun fight. Uh, but if you watch, Yeah, see, exactly. I mean, if you watch him fight Paul Daly, I mean, Daly's got a ton of power, hard to take down. Like, I mean, think about all the top jiu-jitsu guys who haven't been able to submit Paul Daly. I mean, like, I start looking into that and I'm like, At 70, it's 70, it, they've got a we've got a good seventy pound division. People are like, oh, all, all you have is Lima. I read some of the comments. And they're like, all they have is Lima. And I'm like, Yeah, but you definitely ain't gonna want to fight Lima, you know, and Korshkov is no. huge. You saw what but I wouldn't I, I wouldn't mind seeing him in MVP. Yeah, you're right. Style wise, it you would are be right. fun. Yeah, you are right. You know, I can see him in Raymond Daniels. Oh my God! Yeah, you game. know what I mean. Like he, that, that kind of—it's
0: Raymond I, doesn't have the ground game to no, he, with him. No, he An- does. Anthony's got a good ground he game. Does. People don't give him credit off of his back, and you know this is where a lot of fighters, when they get in the top position, they're good. Yeah, but you put them on their back completely changes they're not dangerous anymore yeah anthony is dangerous off his back
1: a lot a lot of guys that come out of that camp though because of their previous jujitsu jitsu coach was a lot of guard yeah. game a lot of sweep Dan, game from there. daniel
0: daniel vanderley yeah
1: so yeah. good good attacks from the from the bottom especially that we've seen with the benson henderson fight the quick submission i trained with him in hawaii and i when i trained with them in hawaii he was explosive off of his back Great uh, submissions from that position. Triangle arm bar game was on point. Very fast, very aggressive, strong legs. I mean, it's it, you can tell he has a strong lower body given his kicks and his side kicks and all the other stuff that he brings. He's very talented. I, I would only want to see him fight at fifty-five. That's it. I yeah. wouldn't want to see him fight at seventy. I just, I agree. I it doesn't even when he was fighting the guys in the UFC at seventy. I'm like, your body frame doesn't provide that. And certain fights like Steven Thompson didn't. It was fun. Didn't make sense. It was but, fun, but I, and I'll give him credit because I thought bodies, you know, lengthwise and
0: everything, Thompson's got the advantage. Yeah. You know, but, you know, it, it, Pettis put him out, man. I yeah. mean,
1: not many people have done that. So you know. that was very impressive. But I'm saying when you get into those guys, you have you have Larkin, you've got Daly, you've got Korshkov, you've got, you know, who else is up there? I mean, like, you've got Lima. I mean, those are just the guys right off the top of my head. I know we're signing off Amazon. Oh, yeah. See, <laughs> y'all stop. Logan Storley. Logan y'all stop, Storley. Y'all stop, I mean, it just gets into a, it gets it just turns nasty, right, real quick. Uh, yeah, I think I at 55 though, you've got Patrici, you've got uh, Peter Queeley. you've got, um, you know, Benson if, you've Henderson, got who, Benson, is, who is, actually he took the title from twice. twice. You know, you have that fight in that matchup again. Um, I mean, there's there's some fights in there for him at 55. I do know that there's a couple new Russian guys that they're talking about signing or working on signing, um, but I don't know which weight classes. Maybe potentially at 55, so that might be another good ad. I know we signed what two new. Top Russians at 205, I believe. 205, yeah. Jeez. I mean, and the other thing I want you guys to be prepared for I'm going to butcher their names. <laughs> okay. I, I'm going to, I'm first thing in the Fifth Fighter knees, uh, I'm asking them what their freaking nickname is. And that's all I'm going to call them. John, we got sent those names the other day, and I was like, what uh, in the heck am I going <laughs> to do with this? I can't even. I got to like the yeah. third letter. I'm like, hey, what's the rest of the word? Yeah, okay,
0: I'm screwed. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: like exactly. th- it's like this long. The first name and yeah. this last name is <laughs> just as long anyways. But
0: um, I'm just I, counting all the letters and that's whatever their first one. And we'll say So it's going to be D14. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's D14, <laughs> D14. man. <laughs>
1: um, so like when we go back into the um, T Wood situation. I could see that happening. It does make sense. He's 38. Probably costs a lot. He's a former champion. I I just don't I don't see. You got to remember not just his fight purse. There's a lot of things that come along with it: hotel rooms, certain types of airfare, like all those things kind of still come along with it when you've been a former champion. Like, sure, you're not flying first class, but they do bring you up sometimes to business or co or not coach, but uh, you know, whatever things that cost a little bit more money. It's like why when we have younger talent that we're paying a fraction to, and I we continue we will continue to say this they are going to start making extreme cuts and they said 60 fighters but you should expect a lot of names to drop off there that are costing them a lot of money just people should be prepared for that and i'm not being a hater i'm just being real with you guys no and this is you know this, it, it, i hate to say it it comes back to the, the whole video
0: thing if we didn't release any you know employees it's like you are right now yeah it, it just it all depends you you have to and, I, and i'm not saying anything Negative as far as you're doing, you can only carry so many people on your roster because you only have so many fight spots. You have a card, you figure usually the UFC is doing about 13 fights on that card that's 26 fighters, and then they've got to move on to either the next week or the week after that. They've only got so many fights that they can make, so they and they've got to offer each guy at least three fights or each girl. Three fights uh, during that calendar year. And so it's tough, and you're going to have to get rid of people. And you take a look and you say, well, who's the smart people to get rid of? When you're taking a look at, you know, a Tyron Woodley, obviously was a great fighter, you know, still can beat a ton of people. But is he going to be your champion? And when you say no, well, then why would I hold him when he can actually beat some of my young talent that maybe. I want to give those extra fights to and I can have that young talent fight four times, five times, maybe six times to match the one fight. It's going to cost me to have Tyron Woodley fight for me. So business wise, it makes sense. It may not. It may not be nice. It may not be, you know, what people want to hear. But it's just it's called business.
1: Yeah, John, there's a couple like uh, Jacare probably, probably cost a lot is going to be cut probably osp probably. i think i don't know i don't know if he's already yeah. cut you know you have t wood but here's the thing when they get up in age okay the reaction is slower we saw with jacaray he got he got hurt from the bottom and they got on top he, then- he got hurt by a
0: guy who was throwing because the first one he threw was straight off of his back and you yeah. could see it hurt Ray, and he's holding onto to a wrist and he's burying his head trying to recover from it mm-hmm. and that never happens and then you see kevin holland come and swinging up and he swings his leg out and hits him and that one really hurts him and it was all over from that point and that's part of getting older you do not accept the same shots you yep. can't
1: handle what you used to be able to walk right through now hurts you I've, and we, it's we just, just part had, of the sport we had this conversation last week when i talked to you guys about my my own self-experiences like in terms of fighting like when i got into the back on the deck on the loading deck getting yeah. ready to walk out to fight patricki and look even after i fought patricki he's like oh you got because they came to my gym and train patricio and patricki they came and in i roll with them and train with them a little bit and they're like oh man you got so much left in the tank i said yeah but it's not the same man at, at yeah. my age at 38 i was already 39 at the time you know that walkout i had a little bit of anxiety never had that in training for the last two and a half fights or whatever it was i just didn't like getting hit anymore and that was very rare for me because i fed off of it oh i mean people like javier had talked about on sparring in sessions where I would literally jump in the in the ring or in the cage, Mike with Paul Bonatello, Mike Kyle, and spar with them hard so three rounds. An and I'm an idiot, <laughs> but it, it was one of those things. Like Josh, you want to get up there and like like there was a lot of trash yeah. talking in our gym, like every other gym. But it became that. Like John, I got up there and spar with Paul. Got up there and spar with you know Mike Kyle, so John Fitch, and Ka- and Swick were all my main sparring partners. Those guys, they all hit. They all hit. Well, Fitch didn't hit that hard, but he. <laughs> But, like, the other guys, no offense, Fitch, but um, yep. but Koss and, and Swick, they, they could crack, man. And the big guys, obviously, they would crack, too. Spar with Luke a bunch of times. Trevor Prangley a bunch of times. It just – it just you would take those shots, and you would just walk through them or accept them, and, you know, that and it went away. Fun. And that went away. It's like it hit then, you. But, but it was,
0: back then, when you guys – it was like, ah, this is good. This is fun. I'm going to get mine. And eventually, you get to that point. It's no, it's not fun, well, and it what, just hurts.
1: What it does is it stones you for a split yes. second, and when you get stoned for a split second—not weed stone, guys. Okay, let's talk about <laughs> Okay, When you get stoned for a second, you're here, and by the time you kind of come to, your opponent's over here, and he's, and he's already hitting you yeah, again. he's getting ready to hit you again, and just the reaction and all—it's all it takes. When people talk about boxing and fighting, everything is like a matter of centimeters and, and, and inches and all that. It's true. If he's here and he hits me. And then by the time I come to, he's literally like less than a foot away. He's created a different angle and everything else is coming from a different angle. He's already throwing. By the time I turn, I'm walking right into the next punch. Those little things and details, you have to be honest and real with yourself as a fighter. And I feel like T-Wood's in that position. OSP's in that position. Jockeray's in that position. Those three guys... Okay, it's not it's it's not them. It's just that they're getting older and then they cost a lot of money. They've been in the game for so long, they cost a lot more. And so why when I've got young guys coming out of the contender series, people that I can put my media people behind and make you feel like they're the best in the world when we all know they're not, but they're still fun to watch. Okay? Yep. And they're you know and they're going to do stuff that probably we've never seen before. Joaquin Buckley. Okay? If, <laughs> you're not going to see T-Wood do that. Yeah, you nope. know, I'm like you would never have seen me do that fucking throw my hip out. You know, what the, I mean? only like, guy, the,
0: the only guy you could possibly see doing
1: something like that would be an Anthony Pettis. Yeah. Or Steven Thompson. Like, you know, like, yeah. that kind of person, you know. So that's that's the, the the point is, is we're not hating on them. I'm not hating on these fighters. I've just been there and I understood where I was at at the time. And that was why it was a good time for me to leave and walk away. These guys Pettis is younger, though. That's what we have to understand. Pettis accomplished so much. He's been in the game for so long. He's the champion at twenty six. You have to understand, for him to leave now, it's just, I think, for something to rejuvenate his career. He feels like, I need a new place, something going on. If he goes to one, good for him. If he goes to Bellator, good for him. Anywhere he goes, good for him. He just needs to kickstart his career again. And I think he he was on track after this last fight, this last win. I'm excited for it to see where he goes and see what happens and who he fights and what other fighters are out there for him to fight. And it's good. I think this is good. This is Fighters testing the free market agency is good for the sport. We've had, we've had these conversations over and over test it guys. Just see, see, see where you're at. you might go, you might go straight
0: back to, you know, the promoter that you were with. Yep. That's okay. Yeah. That's great. But always figure out what is my value because everyone's got that number and it could be that, you know, one person's willing to pay it while the other person's not great. Yeah. You know, you got to figure out this is, prize fighting you are fighting for a prize and that means money and if that one person will
1: pay you a lot more then go with them this is what i liked when when scott coker when i read i watched the uh, interview yesterday is that he's like look we we base everything off of if there is good matchups in our promotion for you that's it You know what the Corey Anderson he had when we had Ryan Bay like as far as in that weight class, you have Ryan Bader, you've got Nemcoff, you've got, you know, guys in that division knowing that he was going to probably sign those other two tough Russian guys. And there was, I'm sure there was some other talk maybe already happening because AJ was released a month before he got signed with Bellator. So maybe they were already in talks and conversation and, and Derek and Derek Anderson was uh, coming or not Derek Anderson, uh, Corey Anderson. Corey Anderson was coming over around that time. So it was kind of like, okay, look, I think Scott's wills are doing this, you know, and understanding where they are. Him at 55, Pettis at 55, there's some matchups there for him. The other thing is, well, if we're going to say, if I'm going to say we have a weak division, it's 55, you know, and it's not so much that our fighters are weak there. It's just, there's not a lot of them.
0: Yeah. There's not a lot of,
1: but, but here people need to understand Bellator's thin in terms of, we don't have 600 people on a roster like the UFC does. You know, and that's the, that's a little bit of why it's thin is that we're building it up, trying to get to, you know, trying to, to build up the, the guys that are in that, in the division, but it's not, it's not easy. And so you've got to make sure that you try to, you know, you're trying to find these guys that are out and about that are still available free agents. And so they're doing the best they can. They've done a great job with a lot of the younger talents, 70, 35, 45, you know, 205, you know, they're making their way now. So just that's the best they can do. And uh, they're doing a good job, I think, right now in terms of the direction in which we're headed. Uh, Pettis, I think, has got some good fights in that division. And I think there'll be some more guys that they'll be signing here shortly. So, what else?
2: Speaking of uh, fighters getting cut, uh, Chris Weidman says, if you're not winning right now, especially if you're getting paid a lot of money, it looks like they're trying to get rid of you and bring these younger guys up. Who are, who are they not uh, paying as much money?
1: Yeah, He just regurgitated oh, what we just said. said.
2: yeah and the the other thing is i want you to you know go back to
0: i don't care which uh weighing in podcast there was there's this guy named josh thompson that gives you this quote of winning solves everything if you're winning they can't get rid of you yeah all right it's when you lose that yeah eventually you can lose to the point where they go there's just no value in us trying to push you anymore especially when you're someone like a Chris Weidman, who is an outstanding fighter, has had a beautiful career, was the champion, you know, took away the championship from the guy in Anderson Silva, you know, kept it away from him when he got the rematch, but ran into that time when all of a sudden things started to change for him and he started losing and having some problems. Now he won his last fight, but yeah, Chris Weidman makes more money than most guys in that promotion as far as that aren't champion. And so they're going to look at him a little bit closer, a little bit tighter in, is he viable for us? Do we want to keep him? Is he someone that we think can actually bring himself up and be the champion again in the middleweight division? You know, he's gone up to light heavyweight. He's gone back down to middleweight. So it is a concern if you're uh Chris to a point, but, I do think that there's places for Chris to go if, you know, if the UFC doesn't, you know, take and uh, keep his contract, he's going to find a place to go to. It just, you know, he's got to be happy with that. Sometimes you get that, you know, you want to go somewhere else. You need that fresh look. And sometimes, man, you're in the place you go. I want to be here forever and that might be the way chris is but i doubt it i think he's just a smart guy that goes hey i just know that i have to continue to win if i want to keep my place here in the ufc yeah
1: yeah he he's definitely one of those guys he, yeah yeah he's definitely one of those he's guys he's getting
0: up there he's getting a little higher in age he's not yeah. quite as old as some but you no
1: know. yeah i i don't see him i wouldn't see him going to bellator cuz he would be fighting at what 185 or 205 185 185 um he doesn't would, want would, to fight at two hundred five, there. No, I mean, like Yoel Romero. I mean, you have got Anthony Johnson. Like those are not fights that he should. Well, he's already fight. fought Yoel. Yeah, he no. lost to Yoel. Um, yep. You know, Corey's huge, good wrestler himself. I mean, you have got a lot of eating them cough. I mean, yeah, just not not a good place for him. I think at two hundred five, one eighty five. I mean, there might be a little bit of a chance there, but let's see. Like he's got, he's got. They're going to give him another fight. He's coming off of a win. They're going to give him another fight, and he he does. He's right. He needs to win. That's really what it comes down to. Not like you said. <laughs> Winning solves everything, man. You keep winning, no one gives a shit what happened in the past, you know?
2: Uh, he's going to fight uh, Uriah yeah. Hall. And he feels like if he loses that fight, I well, might get cut. Yeah. that that, that well, is,
1: That's a fight he should win, though.
0: But he's already, he fought Uriah Hall back in, I want to say, um, Ring of Combat, which is uh, Benny Neglia's uh, show in New Jersey. He fought, he and Uriah fought long ago. He beat Uriah in that, but uh, that's.
1: It's a good rematch. This is a loser leave town
0: fight. It might be. I think which it is. is. A, it's kind of unfortunate, you because know, I feel bad for Uriah Hall then because Uriah had the, you know, the fight against Anderson and Dana kind of put him down. Yeah. You know, even though he got the win saying, you know, you know, I put you in a position, you should be able to just take that. And, you know, you yeah. didn't impress me at all, which is, hey, it's tough. If you go out there and, you know, you're fighting someone that, is good still is a smart educated fighter a guy who's tricky who sets traps who has still got the ability to fight it still ain't easy it's a it's a tough road man <laughs> so
1: yeah but. i under i understand but i can also see it from dana's perspective on the whole deal is that uriah in the first two rounds three rounds or was it three it went to the fourth the beginning of the fourth correct. fourth round is when it, yeah because yeah. he heard him in the third in the, in, the he end. heard him at the end of the third he didn't do anything in the first two that's what the that's what the, I think the conversation with Dana was, was that he yeah. just didn't do anything. He didn't throw enough. He was le- letting Anderson just kind of dictate what was going on. He had a little bit of success at the end of the third, so he went out there after it in the fourth. He should have just tried doing that a little bit earlier. I understand the first round filling out, seeing what Anderson has, but in that second and third, you got to get after it, man. This is, I think Dana's given him a lot of chances, excuse me, in every time, and every time it's turned into what it's turned into with the Anderson fight. The, I believe I. Weidman coming out Saying this I really believe This is a loser Loser leave town Kind of fight This is I think Why is doing it It if might you, be If you lose this fight You're out And then For whoever wins Their next fight Will be loser leave town again You've got a string <laughs> on It's just That's the way It's gonna happen I think it's gonna be That way for these guys And as you said <laughs> Winning solves everything yep, It does <laughs> If you wanna stay Where you're at It does uh-huh. yeah. Next thing
2: Drew Dober uh, Versus Islam Makachev Officially set for March
1: 6th Okay Man, so far out. Uh, <laughs> I know it just I, I, w- I would <coughs> Dober being shorter, stockier. Oh um he doesn't have the doesn't have anywhere near the wrestling pedigree to take Islam down.
0: Oh, well, that ain't him.
1: and submission wise I give to Islam as well. He's phenomenal on the ground, freakishly strong, tall, long, lanky, southpaw, gonna pose some problems. Um, Islam's not the fastest guy on the feet that's the only thing dober jumps in with big power big shots look i'm obviously going to go way to the islam side i am but to me it's <laughs> it's one of those it's one of those fights though that full those, disclosure come on baby <laughs> dos anjos fight what to me was was one of those fights that, that there was a lot of name value involved as well as it could have went anywhere you know um dober and him to me I, I just i think islam is the size will make a difference the power will make a difference when they grab and clinch. But the speed factor might be a little of an issue trying to get to Islam's chin. You know, um, Islam can take a good shot. He's, he's been finished one time, but he's, he's got a good chin. It just, I get concerned with guys that are shorter, stockier, and the punches come from different angles when you're fighting shorter, stockier guys. Overhand rights, you know, upward angle, overhand lefts, that kind of thing. So it just kind of, it makes me a little nervous because Islam's going to have to punch down you know but uh i think once they start once they start getting in the clinching and stuff i think if it if dober doesn't get him out of there in the first round it is going to be a long night for him yeah i i love drew dober as a fighter i
0: think he's fun to watch he comes to fight all the time he's uh he's gotten so much better too yeah in in the last 2 years he has really improved as a fighter he just fights smarter he he just does things better overall i just look at you know he's everyone says he's so short he's got really heavy legs big thick muscular legs he's he's got to be five eight five nine he's not that short but
1: yeah i would bet I, come on islam is only like five ten and a half five eleven exactly and i'm That's seeing the whole two point. of them faced up right now and they don't look uh
0: you see him faced up, but that doesn't mean anything because I've seen it where they face him up and they look at yeah. the same height when there's... That's
1: true. So, Dober looks as tall that. as Joe Silva in this picture. <laughs> <laughs> so he's four foot nine. Not the personal Joe. Uh, personal. No,
0: I, I would I would say that Dober's probably five eight, five eight, 5'8". Somewhere eight, yeah. in there. Yeah, he's five. Okay. Okay. So... Three inches. As far as, you know, is he going to be someone that's hard for Islam to get down into, to get, you know... The takedown? No, I don't think so. But he is strong, yeah. super strong, very strong in his lower body. It's got very good anti-wrestling defensive sprawls and stuff. It's not going to be that first shot that I see Islam taking Drew down with. It's the transitions into the second, third chaining those techniques together will end up making Drew fall behind, and he gets caught by the technique that he's not ready for.
1: What? what but you, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. What people need to remember is this: because he trains with Khabib, don't he's not going to shoot double legs. He's not a double leg shooter. He may drop down on the double leg when he gets you to the fence, but he's not that guy. He's the guy that will punch into the clinch. He'll foot sweep you, hip toss you. His he foots he foot sweeps. He's just beautifully fucking so good in that inside like, outside. He he
0: puts his foot behind. He'll step on the foot and and torque you over. He does so many tricky
1: little things. With his sweeps,
0: it's very impressive to watch.
1: I've said this from the beginning. Look, Khabib may be the world champion, but when you watch when you watch them spar without giving away too much information, I would say technically, when it comes to the sambo style, Islam is the better sambo style guy. But Khabib just has the the mental switch. And, to no, no, do. He's, got
0: that, he's got that big brother over he him. Do, he does have that, too. Let's be honest. Yeah, let's okay. be honest. He does have the big
1: <laughs> brother over him. But there's yeah. a lot of stuff that came into play as well when it, when they were coming up. You know, Khabib being a little bit older. Yeah. F- four years older, I think, something like that. Being a little bit older. uh, You know, they grew up together. I think they've been friends since kid- even before kindergarten. Like, they're good friends, you know? And so... If you want to talk about best friends, that's these two. But when you're talking about the Samo style of their technique, foot sweeps, hip toss, different types of inside trips. Just like if you guys look up the Chase Saldot, Saldotna or Saldot. Anyways, he hits Chase with a fucking. I don't even know what. Oh, I can't. uh, You're
0: talking about he, does a, he, he basically goes a two-on-one on the wrist and whips him around like he's a rope.
1: Yes. So what he does is he tries to plant his hand to the ground, and then he w- takes it out from underneath, and he does it really well with, with the foot as well. There's a lot of things I can sit here and tell you he does very well but he is probably one of the most technical guys in the gym. He like he went through this kick where he was just tapping everyone with twisters in the gym because he thought it was funny to make fun of them that they got tapped by twisters. So he would do it to everybody he trained with just to let make fun of everybody. He's got a great sense of humor, he's fun to train with, he's a great person. I love everything he does when he's sparring, when he's fighting, when he's training. He's he's just a different style than Khabib. Southpaw. That he's got a nasty head kick on that side, and he hides it really well. Kicks to the body very well. Um, I would like to see him use his knees more. We had talked. You know, we had worked a while for uh, on his knees for a while because he liked some of the stuff that I was doing on how I set up my knees. We worked on that. He's he's just a fucking such a well-rounded fighter. But when I'm talking about the two of them though, Khabib and him. Okay, like they're just different. They're yeah. just different fighters, but they don't get me wrong. Their mindset is still to be the champion. And as far as with Dober, I just don't think outside the first round, Dober has a chance. If Dober yeah. doesn't get it done in that first round with by cutting angles, trying to create and everything coming from Islam on that side, on that body side, it's going to be nasty, man. That body kick, that head kick, all that stuff. So it should be, it should be a fun fight, but I'm only I'm obviously going to go with Islam on that fight. And I don't blame you. A little don't bit of Homer, but I'm just be, nah, I'm being the,
0: honest. Look, he's, if you're going to look at the fight, you've got to say there's no doubt he's going to end up being the betting favorite. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way that a, an odds maker can put uh, Drober, du, <laughs> Dober. Drober. Drober, Drober, Drew Dober as the favorite in that fight. That's yeah. not going to happen because he knows he'd get eaten alive. So, you know, Makachev's going to be the guy that going into it people are going to expect to win but that first round like you're saying drew dober look explosive strong hits hard and if makachev ends up on his back for an extended period of time he needs to be careful drew dober will fucking punch a hole in his head he's really good off
1: of his back even though he's never there he starts a lot of his grappling in the the gym him and could be both they start a lot on their back because they know that one day that they would end up there eventually, but they're good they're very good with their sweeps from their back, they're very good at elevating they're very they're just good at that. but they're good fucking everywhere. anyways <laughs> <laughs> ne- next one Max Holloway
2: versus Calvin uh, cater uh, on January 16.
1: now let's let's talk about this because I heard it's supposed to be the main event for they' they're now going back to ABC Have you heard anything about this? I guess apparently Bring they're going be on, they're going to be on the network ABC now. And that fight's supposed to be the main event, along with well, go ahead. ABC is owned by
0: Disney, so yeah, I understand. ESPN is owned by Disney, so I can understand how it could happen.
1: Yeah, I'm just wondering, like how that all, how that relationship worked out for them to be on network TV again versus why did they have it on ESPN?
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it, were, that see that that is a complete ratings thing. Yeah. That has nothing to do with the UFC itself, because the UFC has their contract with ESPN, and if Disney and ESPN want to put it on to ABC to help promote ABC, ABC and get get their their ratings up, yeah, I can understand it because UFC has you know done incredibly well for ESPN. Mm-hmm. ESPN would have been in a lot of trouble as far as content and the numbers of people watching without the ufc that was a huge get for them and they had no idea that it was even bigger in this covid year with uh all the fights that were able to still be put on it was a huge huge year for the ufc
1: the reason was it, the reason why it was a huge year is because <clears throat> the other sports just did not attract people this year there was a lot going on that yeah that A lot turned of it turned people's eyes away from the mainstream sports, and the UFC slid in there without without their uh, political views and just went out there and fought. The other yeah. sports jumped on the political bandwagon and it, and it cost them viewership. And we saw that in the, we saw it with the NBA finals. We saw uh, where we've seen it with the NFL. We've seen it with the other sport, Major League Baseball. The only sport that didn't really get hit that much was hockey. Um, but hockey, uh, I mean, I, I don't know, like. I don't know about hockey. I didn't look into it that much. Yeah, no, that it, was, it wasn't. It wasn't also hit. wasn't that political. No, it wasn't that. What, it, it was the <laughs> the
0: sports where the the athletes became more and more political. Were the sports that I think
1: you saw people
0: dropping off. Yeah, because they, they people don't watch sports for that crap. Yeah, they watch sports to get away from that crap. Yep,
2: yeah.
1: yeah. it's true. It's very true. All right,
2: Michael Chiesa versus Neil Magny, January twentieth. This is a good fight
1: this is a really, really good fight
0: but really a, a matchup where you take a look at the styles yeah that's a kiesa's really looked good since going up to welterweight you know he was losing way too much weight being at the lightweight the speed factor was a little bit different Neil you know Magny, same thing speed factor he's not the fastest guy in the world but first off has a goddamn fucking diesel truck gas tank nice <laughs> That's a good COVID blow right there, baby. In my sweater. But you know, he he's got a he's got a gas tank that he just can go forever, which I think it might be part of the difference in this fight. They're both of their ground games are outstanding. Magni's great on the ground. Kiesa is great on the ground. They're gonna match up well there. And so it's gonna end up, I think a lot of it's gonna be on the feet and the pressure and pace. How does Kiesa deal with the pressure and pace that Neil Magny tends to bring in a fight? because if he can control that pressure and pace, he's a hard dude to beat,
1: yeah, I'm gonna I mean, honestly, the first time I ever met Kiesa, I was like, "What weight do you fight at? <laughs> you yeah, you are fucking enormous, man. yeah he's like, tall. he is so tall, and he's got thick he's like thick bone too. He's not just yeah. tall and skinny. You know, like I look at Mike Swick, he's tall, but he's like really skinny, you know, like his wrists are skinny. He's gotten bigger now since he's been living (laughs) in Thailand, but he, um, but yeah, there's certain guys that they're tall, but they're skinny. He's not, he's got thick, he's got thick legs. You could tell he's got the thick bone density. He's a big guy. And the fact that he was making 55, I'm like, man, I'm getting out of this sport just in (laughs) time. But this stylistically for me, I think, I think I'd give the edge a kiss on the ground slightly um, but getting, getting Neil Magny down is going to be a hard time for him. You know, he's going to have to pull some tricks out of the bag. And can he do that? That's one I would give Neil Magny. Definitely the advantage on the feet. Uh, he uses his, <clears throat> he uses his push kick really well. He uses that reach Ranger very well. His jab very well. He's good at keeping the range and the distance. And like you said, setting the pace is something that just, that's why people have such a hard time with him. And I, we've talked about this forever. He is not the guy when you look at him, like, I'm gonna whoop this dude's ass. And then he goes out there and he fucks you up in the rounds. Oh, after. yeah, and he just he's just touching you, touching you, touching you. And it's like everything and, you try to do, you and can't he do makes, it makes
0: the little noise, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So he makes you have to listen to it too. The fucking Monica <laughs> Celis noise <laughs> ah. the fucking, ah, ah. Oh, drives, drives me crazy. Um, I think Kiesa has found a new life at 70. He's on a roll right now. The momentum, I feel like, is he's one of those guys, the momentum fighter. I think it's in, it's going his direction. So is Neil Magny. I get it. I'm gonna go with Kiesa. I am a little bit of a little homer. He's from the Spokane area. I like, I like the guys he trains with. I like that team up there. Um, Trevor Prang has got like some friends, tre- friendships up with them up there. And I'm kind of, you know, I went to, I Trevor not from that area a little bit there. And, so I got to kind of support the Northwest guy. <laughs> <laughs> Just be. Being- well, You know, the funny part
0: is, is that I think is the co-main event on the fight that Neil Magny wanted. He wanted Kazmat Chimaev, who is fighting Leon Edwards. That is the main event of that show. And that I think that's going to be a great fight. I think it's going to be exciting to watch. I can't wait to see the difference of what occurs with Chimaev when he's fighting a guy who technically is really good in the stand-up.
1: What they were saying is that this is kind of a backup fight just in case something happens to the, the main event yeah, so they can yeah, slide it them happened. up, which is smart. I mean, like, we've seen Bellator do that a little bit because we work for them. So we've we've seen Bellator doing that as well, making sure that there's two fights that match up well. And, you know, so, so one of them falls off. They can try to slide one up and then, you know, pay the other guy out for his show money. Um, same thing here. I think it's smart on their part. Like If you, you don't want to lose your main event, you want to make sure that one of those main event fighters still is, is there. And so you can slide one of these guys up in there. I just wonder which one they'll slide up there. I think it'll be based on it'll be based on which guy falls off. Which guy falls off? Yes. Yeah, yep, I agree. Yep. So, but uh as far as the Leon Edwards fight and the Chimea fight, who, I mean there's just there's just not enough I think information on Chimaev for any yes, top there is. for enough for a top, fighter, yes, there a top fighter to go, "Okay, look, I've seen you fight upper guys." <clears throat> I can see you guys fight lower level guys all the time.
0: See, but what it, you, if you're Leon Edwards, you cannot look at the fights that Chemayev has had in the UFC because he's fought higher level guys outside
1: yeah.
0: of the UFC. And you can go to some of those fights and watch those fights and see some of the things that you need to see that's going to give you information on, oh, all right, here's, here's a problem for him. Here's a problem for me. And you can start to get that game plan going. Not on the fights that he's fought in the UFC. Go to outside. Go to Brave. Go to some of those and watch those fights.
1: There's your information. You're leaning towards Leon Edwards. I can just tell by the way you just said that. You're leaning towards Leon. I'm
0: not leaning (laughs) towards anyone. I I actually think it's, you know, it really depends on Leon. If Leon comes out and is uh, wanting to put Shemayev away fast, and and becoming emotional he's going to lose the fight if he comes out and just decides i'm just going to touch this guy and keep touching him and keep him forcing things to occur that i'm going to take advantage of and he can figure out what things those are he's got a great chance of going home with the win in this fight so it really, you know and that's any fight i know i'm not giving a whole lot there but Leon Edwards, stand-up-wise, he understands how to set guys up. He He's very good with range. And getting a guy to feel like he can be attacked, having that guy make that attack, and that attack missing by a half inch, an inch, and he takes this little step off, and he is cracking his opponent, making him pay for that attempt which then tells the opponent, oh, I don't, that hurt. I don't like that. Let me, let me figure this out again. And now time is running by and he's still getting touched. Those are the things that someone with the stand-up skill and technical ability that Leon Edwards has can do in this situation. As long as he doesn't rush into trying to make something happen that doesn't need to happen in the first round of the fight.
1: I've trained with Leon Edwards. He is so fucking fast like it. It, don't don't sleep yeah. on that speed to touch someone he's not someone oh. though too he doesn't overcommit on things he stays within his box but like you said if chamayev gets under his skin at weigh-ins or the week of the fight if oh, he goes out there trying it. to get him out of there it could work against him i don't see Absolutely. that happening but i have been around his brother and him quite a bit and a lot of the guys from his team they're uh it uh london Sh- not london Sh- box. um Fuck. Anyways, his from his team at Bellator fights. These guys, they come in with a swagger. They come yeah. in wanting. They come in wanting to prove a point, and it just. I just don't want him to get. I don't want Chameau to get under his skin and Leon go out there and do what he does. He's got to just stay composed and stick and move, stick and move, and the, the openings will present themselves as you go. I think there's a lot. I, I don't want to say there's a lot of pre- there. There's a lot of pressure on Leon but not to finish the fight. There's a lot of pressure on Leon just to get the win because you're fighting someone who's considered to be like this new rising star and Dana's giving him the push. I feel like there's more pressure on Chemaev because of all the talking he's done, all the stuff that's led up to him getting this high-profile fight. He needs to go out there and show that what Dana said, or what he's been telling Dana, that he can actually do. There's not a lot of pressure on Leon. He's just got to get the win. I beat a relatively unknown guy. Cool. All like I said, winning solves everything. Just continue to win. You get into your spot. Keep moving up in your spot, there, buddy. That's all Leon needs to do. Yeah. Let's go. What else? He winning or? Uh, did we yeah. did we talk about the Dan Hooker and Michael oh, Chandler no, fight? Oh, they finally <laughs> have a fight for Michael. It Chandler. sounds like it sounds like that fight's gonna happen. It sounds. I've heard it's been rumored. They were talking about it yesterday that that fight is. There's a potential of that fight happening. Um. What is your take on this fight?
0: That's one of the tougher fights, I think, for Chandler in the lightweight division at the UFC. Hooker is long, super long, and his stand-up is good. He's tough as nails. His takedown defense is actually really good. So Chandler's going to have to stand with him for a while. And if there's anything that we know, the camp that Hooker comes from, they're pretty good in the stand-up game. I don't know why, but some of those guys from there they do they do pretty well. So, uh, not that Chandler cannot hurt him; he can hurt him to the body at times. We saw, you know, what Dustin Poirier was able to do later on in his fight with Hooker, uh, going to the body. But this is a this is a barn burner fight. This is a fight that I think is you know exactly if you're Michael Chandler you got to love this matchup. you got to say, man, this is what I want to prove to everyone. I want to go out and show you how I can put it on this guy. And if you're Hooker, you want to go, I want to introduce you to the UFC and make you realize you made a
1: huge mistake. So I think it's a great fight. I look forward to it. Yeah, I think if you're going to talk about styles that Chandler would have some problems with, uh, it would be someone like Dan Hooker. I look at it also, too, as... I I was I thought they were going to give him someone like a Charles Oliveira, which Charles was ranked number five at the time, and now he's ranked number three. Tony slid down one; I think to number four. Kind of in that mix, pull up that division, can you? It's right there on the left, yeah. Um, in that division, you know, he's not going to fight Connor. Connor's not going to fight him. I mean, I should say that Connor's not going to fight him. Um, Oliveira makes sense. Dustin's fighting Connor. I thought maybe a Justin Gaethje fight would have done. But here's the other thing: people were hitting me up. People were criticizing what I was saying about why are they going to give him this guy? Why are they going to give him that guy? He hasn't even fought in the UFC. You want It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that they are paying him a lot of money. And it's His resume from before, it says a lot. I don't even look at the I, here. I know you do. And I here, yeah. and that and I understand that. And that's kind of why they paid him the amount of money. They that's right. Him. That's why he got the money he's getting. But you have to remember that. Look, it's a business decision. When you pay someone that much money, you're not paying him to fight the guys outside the top 15. You're not fake. You're not even in the top. You got it outside the top 10. No, if I'm going to pay you this amount of money, we're going to it's a sink or swim. You're either going to fight the top guys or we're going to we're going to dock your pay. And it's no different at a normal job at corporation, right? The more money you make, the more responsibility you're going to have to do shit. You know what? If it ain't getting done, guess what? You're out of mm-hmm. here. So that's yeah. what that's what's going on. When he came over, the, the the money was gonna was a factor. He wanted to go. Bellator didn't want to pay him what he wanted, so he came to the UFC. UFC paid him, and these are the type of fights he's going to have to fight. I was I was thinking he was going to get maybe like a Charles Oliveira, uh, Paul Felder, or a Kevin Lee, I thought maybe even a Dos Anjos fight. Dan Hooker, to me, is going to be harder for him to take down because of the, he's so tall, the wide base against the fence. But I think on the top position, he's gonna, Dan's going to have a hard time, man. If, yes. if, if Chandler gets on top of him, Chandler's just if, nasty on top. Elbows, Chandler, huge power.
0: If Chandler is smart looking at this fight saying, I'm not worried about going out there and knocking Dan Hooker out. Goes out and says, I'm going to utilize what brought me to the dance first. I still have a very solid wrestling background. I'm good at taking people to the ground. Let me get into this guy. Let me put him on the ground and let me just beat on him because I'm going to degrade him. I'm just going to make him feel everything. I'm going to put pressure on him, make him work hard, keep him on his back, let him try to work hard to get up, almost kind of give it to him and then take him right back down. All of those things will make Michael Chandler a winner in this fight. But Michael Chandler likes to stand up and throw bombs. And if he does that with Hooker, he's taking a big chance. Because we've seen Daniel Hooker is good in the stand-up, and he does have power. He can hit people and put them out, and he can put Chandler out.
1: I agree. What you have, what I want to go back to, what I want to talk about is, we've talked about this several times, for fighters that are making their debut in a new promotion. Oof. That's it. It's tough, man. It's tough. There's a lot of stress that goes into this. He just got it. We've talked about this with other fighters that are coming over. Corey Anderson, when he came to Bellator, it's the you're getting paid a lot of money. There's you put it's not even so much the promotion puts pressure on you. You put promotion on you put pressure on yourself to verify that you're worth that amount of money that they paid you. So the going to have to go in there and deal with the pressure. Here's the other thing, though. There's a flip side of that. Is that Chandler coming over from another promotion, having been the former champion and losing to Patricio right before he left? There's pressure on Dan, not pressure on Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker will look at Dan, at, at uh, Chandler as someone who's not as good because he wasn't in the UFC. And sometimes those guys will overlook who the person is that's coming from that promotion. That would be just, a huge mistake. Let's just be honest. I mean, I feel like Nate Diaz did it to me. He just overlooked me and just thought, like, ah, you fought Gil three times. I know who you are. I can do this. And the same thing. Yeah, but hold on. I'm just. I mean, I'm saying there's guys that they've done that.
0: Look at he. He was a teammate, scrap pack with Mm -hmm. Gil. Mm -hmm. Gil fought you three times. You you think Gil said, "Oh, this is gonna be an easy fight for you"? I had a guy that I couldn't get rid of in 15 rounds
1: of fighting. Maybe. this is gonna be easy for you it's not gonna be easy but i think maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe the two of them you know maybe one gets the better of the other one in training and they thought like well okay well you went this and i did that i mean that's how teammates talk anyways back to dan and, and <laughs> dan <laughs> a- dan dan i you can look at chandler coming from these guys in the ufc they look at guys coming from other promotions and they think they're not that good and then they get there and they're like oh let's just say the whole WEC crew that came over Benson ended up being champion. Pettis ended up being champion. All the all the UFC lightweights that were there at the time, they all got beat by these guys. Yep, you know what I mean. So it's it's not far to say that the guys in the UFC tend to think like I'm here. I'm better than you. There's other guys out there that are in that are just as good, if not better than you. You know, um, it's just it's 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 I think it's a natural thing for people in the for the fighters in the UFC to think. Oh, you can't beat me. I'm going to show you a little bit more arrogance and cockiness that can lead to you getting beat. And Dan Hooker is being put in that spot. So there's a flip side to both sides. Chandler with the stress of being paid this much money and having to perform. OK, is he going to let that get to him or is he just going to come out and try to get the win? All right. Or is it Dan Hooker saying, I'm, I am I think I'm better than you. I know I'm better than you and this and that. And I'm in the UFC. You were not. And now you're here. I'm going to show you what a UFC fighter can do. There's pressure on both sides and not even so much pressure that the UFC puts on you. It's just that you put on yourself to perform and represent your side, represent your purse, represent you, (laughs) you know? And so it makes for a good fight, but I want to go. I want people to go back to the Brent premise fight. Brent premise kicks really hard. He's kind of long. He's fucking enormous for the weight. And Michael Chandler, even though in the second fight he won, I think he won almost every round. But he got dropped. He got hit. He got clipped in the third round. I think it was. He got in trouble in that fight, you know. And as that fight went on, he started getting. He started slowing down. He started taking more punishment. He started getting marked up more. He started having a hard time getting the takedown. There were some submissions that were a little closer. Nothing that was in jeopardy. But there were submissions that were close. Dan Hooker, I don't think has that submission threat. That, no, no way that has a submission that Premise has. Not even close. Exactly. But I think that on the feet, he's longer than Premise. I don't know if he hits as hard as Premise, but he puts his combinations together better than Premise. Yes. And I don't know if his kicks are as hard as Premise, but I'm saying just in my mind when I put the two things together, Dan Hooker's I think a little bit faster than Premise. Premise not a fast guy, but it's the length, the reach, the range, and, and Hooker uses that very well. Getting the takedown will be also harder as the fight goes on because of the wide stance getting the takedown against the fence will be harder he needs to shoot in the open field if Chandler wants to have success getting these takedowns he needs to chain wrestle like a son of a bitch
0: but one of the things that you will find in this fight speed is going to be a factor and I'm just telling you Michael Chandler's faster than Dan
1: Hooker all right I mean you would know I I look at Hooker and I think he's fast but I, I know Chandler's fast I've sat cage side several times and watched him throw punches and combinations he's fast as fuck but he does slow down as the fight no goes on. No doubt about it.
0: He does. But that, that is one one—one of the areas that they're similar because both Chandler and Hooker tend to tail off in the later rounds, especially when you're getting into that fourth and fifth round. If It's a five-round fight, which I'm sure that's going to be a five-round fight. In that fourth and fifth, they both tend to tail off. So it's going to be the question of, which is the guy that's able to put the fight where they're most comfortable, where they going into those fourth and fifth rounds now hold the advantage if it goes that
1: way? Well, I'm going to play negative, not negative Nancy, because that's what everyone called me in the comment section. I'm going to play devil's advocate <laughs> to this. Is that even though Dan Hooker slows down, he slows down because he throws. A plethora of punches. He throws a lot more than Chandler does. Look at does. you with the word plethora I, I had there, to, baby. I to throw your word out there. All right on, oh, baby. But he, he, throw, he, <laughs> throws, he throws a ton more punches than Chandler does. He's a lot busier of a fighter. Chandler's busy. Don't get me wrong, but he's busy everywhere in terms of wrestling, punches. He will throw some kicks here and there. He will wrestle and he'll ground a pound viciously. But hookers on the feet, his output's insane. And that's why he tends to slow down. You go back to the Poirier fight. You know, Poirier was able to bite down on the mouthpiece after the first two rounds and put the the pace on him, but didn't really have to throw a lot of punches. He did throw a lot, but he kept the pressure on him while he was making him throw. That tires you out. If someone's moving backwards and throwing more combinations, that makes you more tired. And, and, And Dustin Poirier made that adjustment, and that's what ended up winning him the fight. That's not what Chandler does. Chandler sometimes will punch, take a couple steps back, bounce around get his breath, and come back again. He's kind of resetting himself and then going again. You see guys like Forrest Gryphon used to do that. That's where Dan Hooker needs to
0: look at tape and go, oh, I see where you gain your little breath. Yep. I see what you do, and I'm not going to give you the opportunity to catch that breath. Every time you take a step back, I'm going to come forward and I'm going to put something on you. I'm going to make you work. Mm -hmm. That's called... The difference in fighting smart and just going into a fight and just seeing what happens. You there are things that both guys do that you can see the differences. In the scrambles, if that fight hits the ground, even with Chandler underneath, he's going to end up on top. Yep. He's just got that ability over Hooker. He's a scrambling so, son of a bitch. Oh, he's great at it. And the ground is going to be his friend in that matchup. Now, Hooker in the stand-up. He's got the length. He's got the range. Chandler's got to come inside. Chandler's got to take it out of a kickboxing range and bring it into a boxing range. If he allows that fight to stay at a kickboxing range, he's going to be lunging in and Hooker is going to eat him alive. Just going to eat him up. So he's got to pressure enough that he brings that fighting range towards a boxing range outside of the kickboxing. Now he has a chance to be successful in landing shots. But even if he does that, he's got a natural propensity to back off. He will land a shot and he will back off because that's his rest. That's his way of resetting. And Dan Hooker needs to look at it and go, I'm not going to let you have it. You got that chance. You came in, you hit me, and now I'm going to come at you while you think you're going to rest. And I'm going to put one on you. It's going to be fun to
1: watch. I can't wait. Propensity, huh? Had to throw that out there after you used For- a big yeah, word, I, huh? see, You tried to one-up me.
0: You used plethora, and so I had to go with propensity. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> good stuff. Stephen A. Smith would be happy. Oh, yeah. oh did <laughs> I use a Stephen <laughs> A. Smith word? Yeah, I don't Jeez. watch it, so I don't know. I feel Jeez. bad. All right, let's go Q&A, buddy. All right.
2: First question is from a guy named Danny Helwani. Who is the breakout fighter of the year? <laughs> Kevin Poor Holland guy. or Chamza Chimaev? Breakout fighter of the year. I think Holland,
0: you know, I, I just did a list for, uh, um, sky TV in England. And one of them was, you know, the MVP for the UFC. And I picked Kel- Kevin Holland. Here's a guy that went, did five fights. Cause I think his first one was in Jacksonville. It might've, maybe it was just after Jacksonville, but I think from July up until December had five fights, four finishes Five wins, one decision. You know, he, and he fought some good people. You know, he, everyone's talking about Joaquin Buckley and, you know, Josh and I both love Joaquin and uh, we've seen him fight a lot and he had that great freaking knockout win over Impa. But it was Kevin Holland who knocked him out. Yep. Kevin Holland is good. And nothing against Chimaev. Chimaev is good. But... Those guys could match up someday at 185, and we might see that. Mm-hmm. And it will be very interesting because on the ground, Kevin Holland is good. He's got a great ground game, and his stand-up is getting better all the time. And I love, we talk about confidence all the time. He does not confidence, lack it. <laughs> oh, my God. He, he holds it in bucket loads. Mm-hmm. He's got two Home Depot orange buckets, five gallons apiece, with fucking confidence oozing out of both. That's awesome. You gotta love that guy. So I think he's the he's the breakout guy.
1: Chimayev is right there, I understand, but I give it to Kevin Holland. Yeah, I don't think it's even close. I mean, I know Chimayev okay. had a good year. Uh, he had a great year. But he didn't fight the competition that Holland did. I mean, given now that we've seen from Joaquin Buckley and also too when he just beat Souza. The, the way he beat Jacare uh, says a lot. And then <clears throat> the fact that he did it on the ground, you know, from that from that <laughs> bottom position. I um, this I think the sky could be the limit for Kevin Holland, but I don't think it's close. I think Chamayev's done good things. He's, you know, Dana's talked him up. He's had Dana behind him. But the only reason why Kevin Holland is in the position he's in is Dana wanted to see him get beat. Bring in yeah, Big Mouth. Bring in Big Mouth. Shut him up. Yeah. <laughs> and he proved and he proved him wrong. And then he's continued to prove him wrong. And I love everything that he's doing and I like how he's doing it. And I think if he, you're gonna have a breakout fight of the year, it's gonna be him. I mean, hands down. I mean, he even well, after he's been respectful after beating guys.
0: I like. Yeah, that. I, and I'll give him this. You know, Dana may have brought him in to shut him up, mm-hmm.
1: but now Dana is a fan. He needs to be. How do you? know He is a, a fan? fan
0: of that guy, man. You gotta be.
1: Yeah, I I think it's Kevin Holland. Same, we agree.
2: Next one. Cool. Uh, next one is from uh, ASUS Wild MMA. Is it true that Art Davis wanted Big John to be a fighter instead of a referee?
0: <laughs> Art Davy. Art Davy. Art Davy is the guy who was was the founder of the UFC. He's the guy that put it all together. And no, I had signed a. Uh, they had a form back in the back in the old days. It was he he had a ad out in uh, Black Belt magazine, and they had this form that people would either call and they would fill out the form, or and I had filled out the form saying I wanted to fight in it. And uh and Gracie looked at me and said, "He goes, what are you doing? You're with you know Hoist and you know what are you?" Uh, I didn't look at that. I thought after the first one, I go, well, he won that. So he's done. I just wasn't that bright. Okay. So, uh, art never, you know, art, uh, I don't think he ever looked at me in any way. You know, he was a guy that, you know, I made fun of sometimes when we were at the gym cause he never fucking worked out with the class. He always had privates and, uh, he was, a, he, he is a guy that really became my friend and I, I really enjoy art, but I don't think he looked at me as anything. You know, Horian was the one that came to him saying he was going to. Have me referee it, and that—that's how it just started for me. So that was the end of me fighting, and which was a good thing. They gave me the best gift I could have uh, been given. So
1: wait a second, you're meaning to tell me that that Dana didn't put you there? I thought Dana. Put <laughs> yeah, there. no, yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, just ask those people. Oh, it was Dana White that did you. Seven years later. (laughs) All right. Next question.
2: All right. uh, This one is from Old School Hockey Fights. (laughs) What would Josh uh, Thompson career be if he didn't choose to be a fighter?
1: Is that like a a, um, a Filipino way of saying Thompson? Thompson? Thompson. Thompson. (laughs) The way you said it? Thompson. (laughs) Thompson. (laughs) Okay. So what is
2: it? Uh, What would Josh uh, Thompson career be if he didn't choose to be a fighter?
1: I would have probably joined the, I I wanted to join the Air Force. I would have joined the military. So that would. What been did you it. want to do in the air force? I wanted to fly jets, man, or helicopters. I, oh, I you knew that. Fly, well, you, first off, off they, they don't fly, fly helicopters. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Come on, know your
1: military, goddamn it. <laughs> they, they air force still has air force still has helicopters. I would really. Yes. Name them. I don't know any of them. <laughs> I didn't go to the air force. <laughs> no, I I uh, legit would have. I legit just wanted to fly planes. That was the biggest thing. But I was like, ah, I just wanted to go to the military. I didn't want to be. You know, I was wrestling in college, and I when I got done wrestling in college, I was like, okay, look, do not want to continue this fighting thing? I There was times where, even after the UFC had cut the division, I thought about joining them. Uh, when they cut the 55-pound division in 2004, I was like, okay, this might be my sign, just join the military. So I thought about it then, and then strike force started, and then um, even after I won the title, I was like, okay, hey, look, you won the title, now what are you going to do? I thought about leaving and going to the join the military then. So, and then in just one step, I was always trying to think of ways to get to the the air force. And then just, I just kept making more money and kept making more money. I'm like, what are you doing, man? Just focus more on fighting. (laughs) So yeah, but I probably would have joined the military. I just needed something that made sure that I was generating money. I just, I never wanted to be someone that just was looking for a job for a normal nine to five. I didn't want that. I wanted um, something that was just different. I needed something that was active and busy and. You're always busy in the military and you're always busy, you know, doing, you're always busy training for fights. So. Anyways. All right. This one is from Marshall Outlaw. Because-
0: hold on. Hold on a second. I'll give you a little bit of every, I think everybody, every guy for the most part thinks someday about, I want to be a jet fighter pilot. Right. I think yeah. cause that's yeah. cool. In fact, I, was, my, I grew up in the top my, gun era.
1: That's why. Exactly.
0: Well, my neighbor flew F-16s mm-hmm. for the Navy. And if you're looking at a guy, um, Air Force wise, Mark Smith, who is the referee that you see doing all the fights in Vegas, he was an F 16 fighter pilot in the Air Force and he was also part wow. of the Thunderbirds. Wow. Damn. You talk about being the elite top of the food chain. That guy made it all the way to being part of the Thunderbirds. So
1: I went through a phase where I wanted to be a firefighter and then. With, um, <laughs> I know we, this. I know this one, baby. Then we went to Houston and did the fucking uh one of the houses, the demo houses there, and it was just a simulation. <laughs> I walked out of there going, I'd never oh, want to no. fucking do this again. And oh, then I, I do. I've done a bunch of stuff with the San Jose Fire Department here, uh, for to help generate money for them, and they bring you in these big uh, uh can't like these big what are they call crates. Not crates what, what are the oh, things it's they a put on connex box it's something like, anyways like the ones yeah. they put on the back of trains yeah it's a connex yes yeah, so you and they they have us go in there with the hose and I've i have gone in there a couple times dark and, you know yeah dark and they lot of huge fire or something in the corn you got to put it out before it attacks the ceiling and all this shit it ain't the business, bro. <laughs> no son. It ain't the business. I'm doing it. And then when you read when you read up on how many fighters die of like lung cancer, throat cancer. I'm not fire, how many firefighters die. Firefighters. Of, they die of gum gum gum. Is it gum gum cancer. cancer? Yeah. Then their gums and their teeth and their throat and in their lungs. They uh, like for, let's say it's forty or forty or sixty percent. It's one of the two, but I think oh, yeah. it's 40%. forty percent. Forty percent of them die end up dying from some <laughs> sort of lung cancer. I'm like, first off. I, after i did the after i did some of the stuff i was like this ain't for me and then i heard that stat and i was like definitely not for me definitely not for me. I, I learned early on in,
0: when i was the police officer in hollywood division it was uh you know the big thing was if you were a police officer, oh you, you know Medal of the valley you know go on a fire they'll give you the stupid medal of the valley. It's like, well the old brown derby the brown derby was this fancy restaurant that all the hollywood stars would go to for a long time and it had this like funny you know, little brown derby front side to it. And then it gets shut down and they build a new one. But the one that got shut down, a lot of homeless people would uh, go in there and they would use like Sterno things to cook their food and stuff like that. And w- someone in there, it sets off and it's on fire. And my partner and I, we go and we see it and we start going in trying to get, make sure people are getting out of this thing. And you have no idea how hot something is. As far as take yourself, light your barbecue, let it get hot, and then close the lid on your head. Yeah. That's what it's like. And I was like, I got out of there and I was like, you know, the fire department was on the way. And then I watched from about eh, 50 yards away as firefighters were climbing on the roof with their stupid little axe, punching holes in the roof. The flames are shooting 100 and some feet in the air. Out the roof of this thing, and I am still barbecuing at 50 yards away. Yeah. And I go, fuck that. There's that just, is you know why I was a police officer. I cannot hurt fire. I will never go inside another fire again, man.
1: It's horrible. Well, what got me thinking of being a firefighter, right? Was that I used to do when I was in college out here in Sunnyvale? I was a loss prevention officer, so I would hide undercover and catch people stealing, you know, like uh, software stuff, computers, laptops, whatever it was, right? Uh, software for your computer, all that stuff. Headset. Sucks. Yeah, no, <laughs> like like all these things, right? But that that in Sunnyvale they you work 1 year as a for the police station you work 1 year as a fi- as a firefighter and 1 year as a police officer and you do back and forth i was like oh that'd be awesome then i went and did that that uh, thing in houston fuck no there's just no <laughs> way it, <laughs> no, like you were saying it's so it's damn brutal. hot i was geared oh. from head to toe the house that was a simulator didn't even have real fire in it they just pumped heat in it it was a heater And they had smoke, the fake smoke. And I seriously, like it took us about four. Herschel Walker did it. Phil Davis did it. And myself did it. It took me 45 minutes to get through there. Some of these holes, I don't even know how the fuck Herschel and Phil got through them. Because I barely (laughs) fully geared up. My tank is scraping. My helmet's coming off. My mask. like, And then the simulation is halfway through. You run out of oxygen. So you have to unhook your mask without taking your mask off. Well, with the big gloves, it was like a pain in the ass. I was, And then the mask, people don't realize when the oxygen runs out, it suction cups to your face. So you've got to lift it away a little bit so you can try to get a breath, but you can't breathe too much because there's smoke. Fuck that, man. There was just so many things that I went through. They had trap doors. You couldn't see. Like there was literally jet black. You're following the hose to try to find your way out. There's different like uh, attachments that have different numbers, not numbers, but lines on them. that's just a training thing. That's a training <laughs> thing. Like There was no way. I was like, just no, there's just no way, man. No, thanks. I'm yeah. good. Shout out, Stipe. Thank you for what you do, sir. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Shout go, out to Stipe Miocic, man. There you go, buddy. Uh, next one.
2: Next one is from Marshall Outlaw. Big John, do you remember the Cobra Fighting Federation? Mark Hall says hi, and thanks for all your help uh, in the early UFC days.
0: Oh, my God. You're talking about Mark the Cobra Hall. And yes, he had a show that he would do out in the Indian reservations. can't remember which one that he was, because the the Saboba was the one for the King of the Cage, and he had another one. I want to say it was Paula or something. I'm not sure. But yep, I remember those days. I remember going out to his shows. It was the first time that I ever met Charles Lewis, Dan, uh, from uh, Tap Out, Skyscrape, and all them. Uh, those were good. Those were good old days.
2: All right, next one is from uh, Mark McNett. What was the worst injury you've ever seen inside the cage?
1: Oh, Anderson Silva, Corey Hill, I mean those are See, common... well,
0: Okay, and here's the, here's the truth. Is this is what most people will say is the worst thing that you've ever seen of injuries is usually the broken leg, the leg that looks like, you know, it's made out of rubber or plastic when the guy throws a kick, it usually lands on the knee and which is the femur running up. So there's no give in that when the guy checks it, uh, ends up, the guy kicks so hard that he actually breaks his own leg. And that's, that's a bad injury, but you know, I, I've seen, you know, dislocated arms, dislocated elbows, dislocated shoulders, uh, the breaking of the legs. I've seen breaking of the arms. The worst thing that you can see in MMA is the knockout. The knockout is the most devastating injury there is to a fighter. I know everyone looks at the leg and goes, "Oh my God, that's horrible." You know, here's the difference, and this is what people don't think about when they see Anderson Silva break his leg, and we'll say that Anderson has to have surgery on that, and they put pins and rods and screws to to make it right again. He goes through that surgery, and he, you know, comes out. He's got a, a brace, a wrap. He's got crutches. And people are all, you know, being careful of Anderson the whole whole time. The, what happens when you get someone knocked out is people look at that and go, oh, man. And then they see the guy sitting up and they see him sit on a stool and they see him up and walking around. And the first thing that goes through their mind is he's okay. Yeah, And he's far from okay. He just, what was injured was his brain and his brain the injury that it received needs just as much time as the Anderson Silva leg to recover but we don't give them that and we, and they don't look at it because the brain doesn't have nerve endings so there's no pain in, involved with it but it needs the same amount of time to heal so the worst things that you'll ever see are the huge knockouts those are the most devastating because the brain is who you are. We can lose a leg, we can lose an arm, and we can still be the person that we are. And we may not be as good at you know, certain sports or things like that, but we can still be that person. When your brain starts to get injured and it doesn't recover, it changes who you are as a person forever. So the most devastating things I see are the big knockouts?
1: Yeah, I can touch back on that. Remember the guy that was in the fifty-five pound division? I cannot remember his name to save my life because I've been knocked out before. <laughs> so th- <laughs> the thing is, is uh he was in the fifty-five pound division. He was supposed to fight Anthony Pettis, TJ Grant, TJ Grant. He had got knocked out in training, and he I think he had a concussion after oh, the, can... after the Gray manor fight as well. Yes, he and did. So he had a concussion after that fight, and then he went to went back to the training, trained too soon, got knocked out grappling. Yep. Never heard from him again. Yep. To say that it's not like that, you are right. That's the thing that we don't we look at it as in terms of when people they sit up, they get on the stool, they walk out. But oh, I want yeah. I want to give you guys a an, an idea of what goes on <clears throat> when the guy gets in the back. He will ask you fifty times what happened. That's how fucked up it is. Yeah. Like he will ask you, "Okay, are we going to go out soon?" No, no, you already fought. Uh, did I win? No, you You got knocked out. Okay, literally three seconds later, are we fighting next? No, 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 you already fought. Did I win? No, you got knocked out. It will be that for 15, 10, 15 minutes, maybe even longer. I mean, it, it happens all the time. Or they will go in the back, then they'll sit down on a stool, and they'll start throwing up because yep. they they just can't, their brain is still rattled, they can't focus, they get a little bit of that vertigo going on, and they just start yakking. There's so many different ways. There's I mean, there's there's blank clips like you know what happened, you just don't know how it happened, and it's just a blank spot in your memory for the rest of your life. You'll never remember it unless you go back and watch it and you still won't remember it. You'll just see no. it now and think you remember it when you don't. It's so, a portion of your life yep. that you were not there for. Yep. It was taken away from you. And so when you're talking about you are right and Yes, but in terms of what I visually will see, visually, I look at the the Anderson Silva, the Corey Hill, the Misha Tate, the elbow. You know, um, I look at that type of stuff. That's visually what people are like. They cringe. It's cringeworthy. Nope. The nope. knockout, people sometimes will cringe, but they get more excited for it because that's part of the sport. Um, but yes, you are 100% right. Yeah, you're 100% right. Next question.
2: Next question is from uh, Felipe Gutierrez. Who wins in a fight? Podcast Dave versus
1: Chin or Young Jamie? Yo, I don't <laughs> Chin's big, man. I mean, I want to say Chin's like 6'2". Chin's a big guy. I don't know if he can fight at all. He plays a guitar, so he's probably soft. But <laughs> I, lo- I, I love me some Chin, man. Chin's a good dude. Oh, man. I love I'm Chin. I'm going Podcast Dave
0: all the way. <laughs> Podcast Dave wins.
1: He's good at running his mouth. He's
0: got that... <laughs> scottish background man he's part of braveheart william wallace runs through his veins
1: there is no freedom way. that guy cannot fight his way out of a wet paper sack i love me some podcast Dave. Uh, as far as as far as young jamie i don't even know man like i've only been in the room with young jamie first but he don't say much he's just no. kinda, he's oh, very God. quiet he's Teachs a good himself. guy himself he's a hustler i mean he's I mean, he's good. He's quick on the keyboards. Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, he's, keyboard. he's good. At, he's great at everything he does. I mean, that's, I mean, he, even Joe has said multiple times he's a big reason why his show is so successful. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen enough of young Jamie to know, like, he didn't even stand up when I, when I was there. So I don't know how tall he is. I mean, <laughs> I don't even know if he's, you know, if he's five, if he's five, two. Or if he's 6'3". I don't know. I mean, but Chin, I know. I've been around Chin quite a few times. It doesn't
0: matter. We're talking Scottish blood.
1: No. Braveheart. Freedom! Freedom. I think the apple (laughs) fell too far away from the tree for podcast, Dave. No. I (laughs) I love love it. it. (laughs) Oh. It would be fun to see. We I'd like to put some bets oh, on that. Man, I wonder if we cool. can get mybookie to run the uh, promo. Oh, on that. <laughs> that's it.
0: Mybookie.com. You can bet on Chin or Podcast Day. That'd be great. That'd be great. Oh man. All right,
1: I'm yeah. Serious, so bet- it's
0: mybookie.ag. I apologize. Yeah. Even though you can go to mybookie.com.
1: It goes to so, Use the promo code WayneIn and they'll give you uh 50% of your initial deposit. So if it's your first time making your deposit, make sure it's a big one. They'll give you 50% of that, all the way up to a thousand dollars. And uh, hit that promo code. Make you sure. Make sure you use the promo code Wayne in. Uh, next question.
2: Next question is from Kevin Zuniga. Likes the rent. What was Josh's most satisfying victory and most humbling defeat
1: besides Tony? Um. Okay. So satisfying victory was the Hermes Franca fight. Um. Because I I don't know if a lot of fighters go through this, but for me, I was always kind of wanting to know if I was a real fighter. And that was a fight that, that let me know I was. Because I had had success in all the smaller shows. And I got to the UFC. I beat Gerald Stubant pretty early. It was quick, like two or three minutes in. But I got to the Hermes fight. And I was winning the first two rounds hands down. He clipped me in the beginning of the third. And I got my ass kicked for th- about three and a half minutes and it was a long time I and mean, there was a couple of moments there where larry landless almost jumped in i mean i was taking some big shots from him and everyone knows when you go back to the Hermes stuff he's got he's got he had heavy hands deceptively long too like he could stand over you and grab you from there yeah the the american top team logo i don't know if it still is but it's his it's yeah. him standing there yeah so that's him standing there um in that logo he was really long the, to me it was more or less it was a battle for myself to let myself know that you are a real fighter cuz there was I've been around several fighters that would have rolled over to their fetal position and just tapped. And after that letting myself know that I wasn't a quitter, letting myself know that you you know this is you, you for for you to fight through something like that, you really enjoy doing this. This is this is what you're meant to do. And so that was kind of my eye-opening experience for me. Um as far as eye-opening in terms of losses, Uh, Clay Guida, definitely one of them. And I've talked about with John with this. uh, If I didn't have friends like Trevor Prangley to snap me out of shit, um, I literally was at the club for that fight. I was at the club from Thursday to Saturday. Almost every week up until like two weeks before the fight. Thought I was, you know, thought I was the shit. Just thought like, you know what? I'm going to win this. No big deal. da 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 Very eye-opening. I mean, after that, I ended up rattling off a bunch of wins, winning beating Gilbert. It was very eye-opening for me. And I had friends like Trevor's like after that fight, he's like, I was going to tell you, he's like, but he's like, I'm living in your house from your training camp. He's like, I was just like, you were still coming to training. You never missed training. You were training hard, but you're just not this. It's not the same. You you, got to compressively get better. And I think I was just content with being who I was and understanding that you can lose to anybody at any time. It was very eye-opening to me. And, um, I mean, you got to say, I mean, I realistically, Clay Guda owes me a lot of, a lot of a uh, a lot of props because I'm the reason that catapulted his career because because of that fight. After that, we he fought Gilbert and lost. We cut him, and he went to the UFC and had a phenomenal career, and it all because of his his win over me, you know. And so um, I think it was. And don't get me wrong, he pr- he probably wouldn't end up making it to there anyways, but it was one of those things that it was very eye opening for myself. To say, like, anyone can beat you if you don't take this shit serious. And this is not, this is the hurt business. And we've talked about it before. This is the hurt business. You can't take this shit lightly, man. This ain't just for fun, you know. And so during that, those two things, one showed me that I was a real fighter. And the other one showed me, like, you can never slack off. You always got to continue to try to keep better. Those two things at certain parts of my career made it very, made it very humbling for me to, uh, to make, to get me where I was, you know, throughout my whole career next one next that's one is good two. i like that <laughs>
2: next one is from tony montana what are some of the hardest hits you've
1: seen people walk through uh, john john would know more he's fucking been in the cage for all of them <laughs> oh man uh, to
0: to sit there and to say well i watched the guy walk through there's certain guys that can just deliver a blow and there, there's times where You will hear things and hearing things and seeing them coincide with each other when you are inside of the cage. And it's one of the things that I really believe that the COVID era here in 2020 gave fans the opportunity to learn something about fighting that they weren't able to actually correspond with before. I think it's taught media people you know, a lot of these reporters that sit there and, you know, would watch fights with all the noise of the crowd and everything had no idea sometimes the things that you heard inside of the cage, but the referee was always the person besides the two fighters that could hear those things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you, you would hear things of, you know, when you hear an elbow that is thrown hard land off of someone's skull, it makes a distinctive, sound like a board being hit you know i mean it it makes a crack and you'll watch a guy get hit by something and then you'll just see this this growing blood spot you go oh god damn it that just split him open and then you'll watch him get hit with a second one boom there goes another one oh there goes another. i'll never forget boss rootin was fighting kevin randleman at ufc 20 and it was for the heavyweight title and i mean Kevin just destroyed boss in the first five minutes of the fight, but then he got tired and it was a lot of Kevin taking boss down and boss working from his guard, landing elbows. And, you know, Kevin had the, the dyed blonde hair that he became famous for having. And by the end of it, it had all these red spots all through it. It looked like he had actually dyed These, these big red balls, all over is because they were all cuts from boss rootin's elbows and because of that visual the judges ended up you know naming boss the winner of the fight even though you know i love boss he's he's my man but i don't think he won that fight overall but it was you know a visual but i, I could hear all those elbows landing off of kevin's head and it was like damn you can't just stay there man that's gotta hurt you know move and <laughs> And it's it's one of the things, you know, when MVP landed the the knee on Cyborg Santos, oh. I will tell you it was the loudest strike I had ever heard in all of the fights that I'd ever done. It was louder than when you go to a baseball game and you watch batting practice and you have that guy blast that ball out of the park. It was louder than any of those shots that you've ever heard. It was unbelievable how loud it was. And sometimes you just look and go, my God. Thank you, know, thank you, Lord, for not taking someone's life because that should have killed somebody. It was wow. that hard.
1: <clears throat> That's horrible. I, I, I saw the x-ray after. I was like, oh. Oh. I can't imagine the pain he was going through. <laughs> oh, shit. Next question. Next question is from uh,
2: Barakas. Big John, was there ever a time that you were so upset at another referee and got heated with them for any reason? <laughs> <laughs> How many times?
0: How many times? Yeah, you know, look at, you know, I will tell you that, you know, when we sit there and say, you know, do all referees get along? No. You know, but there's a difference in the way certain people go about doing things. I was always the guy that was, I I would give you any information I could that would help you be better. Because I thought that was important for the sport. And it was important for the fighters that everyone did things the same way, worked in the same manner, at least looked at things the same way. But, you know, there was always times when you would have a, um, an official do something and you go, what are you doing? You know, you are creating this unfair position of a fight. You are, you are giving an advantage to one fighter over the next. And, you know, there was times it was in the middle of fights, you know, I'll give you a, an old time one and it was you know two guys that josh is very familiar with kenny florian is fighting sean shirk for the ufc light lightweight championship it was ufc 64 i believe i might be wrong but i think it was 64 and uh in that uh matchup for the main event was anderson uh silva against rich franklin for the title it was anderson silva's second fight in the UFC, but. That fight uh, was being refereed by Steve Mazzagati. And if you go back and you watch it, Kenny Florian ends up cutting Sean Shirk somewhere up on the forehead here with an elbow. And Kenny was known, you know, he used to say he used to, you know, sharpen. file his elbows yeah. down, sharpen them up, and everything and stuff. So he cuts Sean Shirk, but it becomes a real problem for him because Sean keeps taking him down, being on top of him, and it's just running into Kenny's face the whole time. It's actually it's disrupting Kenny's ability to see. But Kenny is grabbing the cage and turning his body by the use of the cage. Well that's that was illegal. And at the time Steve got he wasn't saying anything. He wasn't saying anything. it just was happening over and over and over in the fight. And I'm I'm looking at him like, what are you doing? Finally I go up, you know, between the fourth and fifth round and I said, Steve, what in the fuck? Are you allowing that? I said, he is using the cage as a tool. He cannot do that. If he's using it as a tool to either control his body or his opponent's position in the fight, it's illegal. He's using it to control his position. Right? And he goes, I I told him, he asked me if he could do that. I told him, yes. Oh, shit. (laughs) I said, well, you need to go over right now and tell him, no, you can't. Right? And so, if you watch the fifth round, he starts saying, you know, let go of the fence. Let go of the fence. Oh, man. You know, but this is, you know, things happen. You know, it, it's a young sport. And this is not against Steve. Steve is a good, super nice man. But the lack of knowledge of the actual sport, the lack of knowledge of fighting, the lack of knowledge of the rules. And that's when you look at referees. When you have a lack of knowledge with the referee, you got problems in the fight. You know, and I I used to, I used to get on guys all the time when they would go in the back and do, you know, rules meetings. You know, when it's big time fights, the UFC belt, or it's individualized. You do it with each fighter. When it's small regional shows, you bring all of the fighters together and you'll do them all in front of everyone. They can ask questions if they want. Normally they won't because they don't want their opponent to think something about something they're asking or something like that. But you know, you'll you'll get these referees, especially young ones, and they'll have this sheet of paper that has all the fouls listed on it. And, I, and they would, I would always make a young referee if I was there to do the show. I would make them do the rules thing, and I would always go and individually talk to all my guys, anyways. But I would make them do the rules thing, and then they would be out there with their sheet of paper, and I'd walk over and just grab the sheet of paper from them and crumple it, you know, because if you're if you're the guy that's supposed to be enforcing the rules what do you think it looks like when you need a piece of paper to know what they are so you can cover them? And I I would tell this to guys all the time, (laughs) You, you know, those things inside and out backwards, forwards. I could name you those, that list of fouls any way you want, because that's my job. And you've got to be able to do that job every time and know exactly when you, something is right and when something is not. So yeah, there was many times that I was very upset with what was going on. But I'm sure there was people upset with what I was doing
2: too,
1: like missing headbutts. But yeah,
2: right. <laughs> I love it, baby. Uh, the sheet uh, might have been uh, should have been there. <laughs> yeah. when that happened, right? Next one. All right, next one is from uh, Mike Perry's delusional fan, <laughs> who is the weirdest guy in MMA, and why Tony Ferguson. <laughs> oh
1: my I don't know if Tony's the weirdest guy, man. I mean, Mike Perry's kind of a weird guy. <laughs> Woo! Uh, you know, there's other guys that are out there too. I mean, they they, every guy's been weird. I think a little bit in their own way. Um, shit, what was the guy's name that had the funky guillotine from? He's from Spokane too. Cody McKenzie. Cody McKenzie was kind of a weird guy. Lyle Beerbong was a weird guy. They were from the same camp. There was Lyle Beerbong was crazy, but they were nice guys though. Like they're nice pants. Yeah, they were they were nice guys. I mean, yeah, everyone's a little weird. I think in their own way. I mean, like fighting is it's. Not for the well adjusted people, <laughs> let's just be honest,
2: <laughs> you know not
1: not everyone in not, none of them were pretty much but, you know, they, all of them have some some underlying issues and and how they ended up in the sport um but I can't think of anyone right off the top of my head i mean i I would think Mike Perry, tony uh, you know guys after they left you know the sport, they became a little bit more weird, maybe from you know things that they had happened to them in fighting, but who can you think of that and John?
0: Oh my God! There's so many that you can look at and go he's got a screw loose, yeah, <laughs> but you know that's it is it's part of what, exactly what Josh is saying sometimes you need to have a screw loose to be part of the sport yeah. and to get into a cage in front of you know a bunch of people wearing your underwear fighting another individual that can make you look bad you know it's it's something that's not easy for you know anyone to do or everyone to do or it's a it's a rough go, and so There's been a lot of guys, you know, people will say that Chris Lieben was crazy. Was he crazy? Yeah, in some ways, but he's a great guy. Yeah. Just a great guy, you know, and uh, fun to be around. Mike Swick, you know, he's not crazy, but he's got a fucking screw loose at times, doesn't he? A little bit, yeah. He's a great guy, man. But, you know, it's one of those, you look at uh, everything that's occurred in this sport, there's been plenty of guys you can look at and go, yep. All the dogs are not barking in that one. Yeah. But man, they're fun fun guys to be around and uh just just the way it is within the sport.
1: S- some guys, some what was his name? Uh, he's fucking living in a per- Morocco jail now. Lee Murray. Oh, Lee Murray. Like, think about him,
0: like crazy. He's crazy, crazy about fighting. Think how
1: crazy? I think how crazy he fucking was. He has the biggest heist in the UK history, or something like that.
0: Well, and okay, you go, you go to Lee Murray. He's got the the whole incident that I was kind of there for that he had with Tito. Uh-huh. All right, so he had that incident outside of the bar, and then. He was stabbed to death. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Because they punctured his heart with the, when they stabbed him, they brought him back. And after bringing him back, then he went and he fucking had that, the biggest fucking heist in UK history. Crazy. So, but you talk about a story.
1: That man's crazy. That, you know what? I think, I think uh, Gian just pulled somebody up that we probably overlooked. Charles Bennett, overlook? crazy horse. Oh, felony crazy horse. God, Damn, yeah. he's fucking crazy. Charles Bennett. I love Charles Bennett. Yeah, he, he I was, think he probably still is the because he had some funny shit, man. He was oh so God. funny. I'm trying
0: I'm trying to remember the guy's name he was fighting, was like McDermott. Uh and he was in King of the Cage and Charlie was just nuts anyways. And he the fight starts, and instead of going towards the middle, he jumps up on the cage and sits on top of the rail on top. And the referee's looking at him like, You you gotta come down here, right? Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> not gonna come down there
1: yeah he was a straight comes down
0: ruin. but in that against mcdermott he picks mcdermott up and looks at the camera gives a peace sign and then spins him around and runs his head into the cage <laughs> the guy was nuts yeah. he actually got he actually you know he fought vanderley silva in the back in pride there's a video on youtube of that still. and then and then he actually got put out by uh, I'm trying to think of he fought in the ufc but he was uh, jiu jujitsu instructor at the time. he got triangle choked and yep. put unconscious. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, but Coleman, Baroni, all those guys were in the back. I guess yep. apparently get trying to get into it with each other. What a mess. Uh, next question. Let's ne- do. Uh, we'll do a couple more. All right. Next question is uh, from Tom. He
2: actually says, uh, "Look, Thomas says eighty-five percent of the best talent in MMA is signed to UFC. The fifteen percent is spread out through Bellator, ONE, and PFL. Any thoughts?"
1: 85. What are you, 85%? Yeah. I mean, you're thinking, the, the, the numbers play a factor on how many they have six hundred fighters. It's, we've got it's The
0: difference people. when you when you you're looking at depth, and I've always said the UFC by far has the most depth yeah. of any promotion there is. Bellator doesn't come close, one doesn't come close, the PFL doesn't come close. It, it's because they have so many fighters signed. And they have that depth in basically each weight class. But I can sit there and say, well, here, here's a weight class. I can tell you right now that do they have 85%, not even close. They don't even have 50%. So it just depends on the weight class. Overall, the UFC has the greatest depth of fighters. No doubt about it. Is that, is it a total at 85%? I think it's a, a number he just shot out there, but. It, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's the truth. They have the deepest roster of any promotion there is. They are, have the, the most fighters.
1: They put on the most fights. Yeah. I. It's hard for me. I, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. I agree they are the deep, all that stuff. But yeah. if we were to put up the top five of each, not just Bellator, of one and in PFL, I think you would find that it's a lot closer than people think from across yes. the board. You know, and look, and we can do matchmaking all day long. Here's the thing, though, is I can find guys from the UFC. We've talked about this. I can match them up to where UFC all win. I can match yep. them up to where the Bellator guys all win. If we do, like, the top five, top ten and match them up the way we want them, you know, you, you're you setting the chessboard the way you want so you can get chess <laughs> made. That's not how it works. Like, if we were to say, like, you know, one and one, two and two, two you're going to find out the other promotions. They would do a little bit better um, than you think. You know, when it comes down to the matchmaking, is he the number is irrelevant because they're they're triple the roster of everyone else. Bellator only has two hundred fifty people, I think. You know, on their signed roster, maybe a little bit over that, a little, yeah, somewhere around mm-hmm. there. The you most, know? and then you know, but UFC is at 300, or 600, I mean, six hundred fifty, yeah, six hundred fifty. You know, I don't even know what one has on their roster, but it can't be that many. Not it's even the same close. thing with PFL; it's not that many either. So, um, yeah. Next
2: question. Next question is from Michael Snake he says for both what series
1: are you guys currently watching what series mm-hmm. well i just got i i've I watched it a hundred times and i was watching the queen's gamut and that's like <laughs> i've watched it so many times that like i just flip it on now when i get home um i, w- I went through like i don't know i just if it's not good i don't really want to get into it i think right now like even last night i was bored and i was watching the show alone are these people trying to like survive out in the middle of nowhere? Oh, I see that. That's Jeez, great, man. I, it's like I'm sitting here watching, like nothing's fucking happening. Oh wow, the guy caught a fish. Cool. I'm like they're they're fucking emotional. They're crying. I needed this. Well, you won't believe how much I needed this. Then they catch one guy caught a muskrat, fucking barbecued it and ate it. Ended up getting food poisoning. Fucking almost died out there because he he couldn't take his heart medication because every time he did, he threw it up. And so he just <laughs> for two days he fucking was throwing up. The other guy decided that he caught it. He caught a huge trout, had a ton of fish eggs in it. He's like, "Oh, these are great in vitamin B12 and this and that and all this other shit." He eats Bro. them. He eats them. Gets food poisoning, throws them all up. For 2 days was throwing up. Didn't have to leave the island. The other guy had to leave the island cuz he was on heart medication. Just I'm like, this doesn't look fucking fun. One guy shoots a moose. Moose doesn't die for like 4 hours. Starts to get dark. He can't, he's got to he's got to cut it all up. Guess what he's got? It's got like a fucking uh, Swiss army knife to skin it and cut it up with a Swiss army knife. That's it. In the dark. And then it started getting dark and the wolves started coming out. He started freaking out. He had to backpack it in. They basically said he almost walked seven miles that day. That's not even the hard part about what he had to do. He had to still hang it all up in the trees so fucking the wolves wouldn't come to his camp. Because when you take dead meat back to your camp, they'll smell it from far away. Bears and wolves. Badgers. Badgers. I mean, they had a what's it called? One of them killed a fucking not a badger. What's the other one? Shit, there was another one. Anyways, there was another one that they fucking one guy had to kill it. Maybe it was a badger, honey badger. Yeah, probably. I've
0: seen I've seen some of those. The one thing that I learned out of watching those, see, I would I'd do very well at making my shelter, very good at getting my food, all that stuff, handy with all that crap. It's being alone. Yeah, it drives you crazy you and your and
1: quarantine for her I, I think
0: exactly that's my whole point i know now i would not make it because of the quarantine <laughs> oh, stuff shit. i'm horrible Fuck i would freaking i'd be hitting the button get me out of here man i need <laughs> i need to talk to somebody
1: you, you know what's great is like they start the first two days they're like oh i got this there's no way i'm gonna lose by day seven and eight when they haven't eaten they're like crying in front of the camera. I don't know if I can do this. My family. I don't want to be a quitter. And I'm like, damn. Like, that's, I mean, I've watched that movie Castaway with Tom Hanks. Dude was there for four years just talking to fucking Wilson, the volleyball. <laughs> like, Wilson. Yeah. I mean, but back to the guy that killed the moose. So he's bow and arrow shoots a fucking nine hundred pound moose or whatever. How do you get a bow and arrow? Well, they they send you out with ten things. You have a knife. You have a you can take they a bow and arrow. Him a bow and arrow. You can take a bow and arrow. You can, I don't think you can take guns because no one's taking guns. So <laughs> I think you can take a bow and arrow. You can take you can take fish netting and stuff like that. You're allowed ten items, but like that that includes like your pot and pan, your you know a knife. I think your saw for wood, whatever whatever else you might need. Sleeping bag. You know you get ten right. items. So the one thing i was surprised these people were taking fish line why aren't you taking a net like i i don't under, I why not, understand why not
0: why not take a fishing pole with fish line
1: yeah i i, I don't know Maybe <laughs> it counted as, yeah i don't know if it counted yeah. as different items you know maybe that's okay. two items but i was like you, want, you know the one guy had this big huge net and he just ran it out onto a pole onto a tree and he anchored it down with like a, 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 different, a gill net yeah a gill net there you go yeah and so and Dude, he was catching fucking trout like this. They were up in the Arctic and he's getting trout like this. And like, he cut it, he had probably close to a, it was like a five gallon bucket filled with trout. I was like, good God. Every four days he'd put, I mean, every day he'd have it out there, but he'd catch a fish probably about every four days. It was just hanging there. These other ones are trying to catch, they're throwing, and they're catching shit, which is crazy, but they're just throwing a fucking lure out there with nothing on it and just reeling it in, like pulling it in. And they're still catching shit. I was I was just baffled. How are you guys just not doing this all day, every day, checking, checking, checking? I mean, some of them, you know, were hunting with bows and they were even they squirrels, muskrats, you know, rabbits. The snares some guys set up were pretty dope. I mean, this one guy had like four rabbits. He's the guy. He he was the guy that ended up getting the moose. You know, he he was pretty good at what he was doing. I don't know if he won. I'm not done with the series yet, but. <laughs> Good stuff. No, I, I, no. I watch. I watch the same thing, Queen's Gambit. It's mm-hmm. good. Yeah, it's good.
0: And then the one that I just started seeing, my wife was what it's called, Imposters. Mm-hmm. It's really freaking good. Really a neat concept. Cool Netflix. Story. What's it on? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know if I don't. I don't ever set anything up on my TV, so I you don't, don't say. know. But I would, exactly. John, the guy, but, has a hard time setting
1: up Zoom it's, calls.
0: It's called <laughs> Imposters, man, and it's really good.
1: Uh, really imposters good. okay i'll check out imposters someone's i haven't watched billions but everyone keeps telling me about it all my like guys on the production team yeah, i'm into yeah. those smart witty like and i heard that's kind of what You'll it like is billions. the sassiness is that's why i liked queen's gamut because she was very witty with her like yeah. the way she talked to people and the way she conversated with people i fucking love that um that I, that that punk in me likes that little those little the way you snap back and forth all right let's do one more all right
2: Last question is from C8, uh, C eight C six eight six crime. Who are some MMA pioneers that get no credit or remembrance anymore? Oh, Frank Shamrock. Uh, Frank Shamrock. Oh
0: Frank Shamrock would be yeah. one.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> there's a there's so many that you know you look at and you can say there's the the pioneer that the UFC has in their Hall of Fame and stuff, but they keep certain people out because they didn't like them. Mm-hmm. They didn't like Frank Shamrock. And but I
1: heard they offered him. And he told I heard him fuck too. off. I heard he told I him heard, to fuck well, off. Well, you know why they, he told
0: him to fuck off.
1: No why. Yeah.
0: Because he's like, you know what? How long ago could you have done it and you all this time said, Oh no, 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 no. So now fuck you. You know? I don't blame him. Hey I, look first I, off, I want you to think about this. Okay, right. and this is what people don't think about. <clears throat> how important is it to you? How important is it? Josh, how important is it to you? that someone put you in a
1: hall of fame. If it was a real hall of fame I'd care, but it's not. It's the UFC Hall of Fame and I don't care. Okay. There's the a the difference. If I was the in the point. if I was in the football Hall of Fame, it would like fuck yeah, this is important. Okay, okay, but we'll say that
0: there is a true MMA yes. Hall of Fame. Okay, you want to be in it? Great. So but there's a difference with it being the UFC's yeah. Hall of Fame because it's like, no well, that's a promotional Hall of Fame and I think that's the way he looked at it. Yeah. He looked at it like I don't need it. I don't need you. Yeah.
1: And that's okay. That's that's his choice. Okay. As much as as much as I understand why he did it, let's not forget that even though I've known Frank for a long time, he's brought a lot of this upon himself. Yes. So let's. I mean, no matter how much you like somebody and how much you've been around them for a long period of time, the the things that he has said and done, and in the past (laughs) that would cause them not to to, or cause them to dislike him. Is those are reasonable reasons as well to not like him? So the two of them, I think they're really just in a lover's quarrel, you know. It's and a it really comes down to that. But there's a lot of other guys, I mean, like
0: it's about egos, it's Dana's yeah. ego and it's Frank's ego. Let's yeah. be honest. Uh, and they,
1: like, but there's a lot of guys I think they didn't get that still this, like Jeremy Horn to me is one of those guys. Um, well,
0: Jerry, again, now you're looking at MMA Hall of Fame,
1: yeah. If you're gonna sit
0: there and say, and this is where and this is where I think you know. Frank looks at the UFC and goes, oh, really? You say you're going to put you, you put Sakuraba in your hall of fame before you ever even offered it to me. And let's see, what did Sakuraba do in the UFC? So I can understand the point. Okay. It, it, It is what it is. And I'm not here to tell anybody what they should do or anything, but
1: come on. I agree i agree but i think like we talked about in the very beginning of the show context is everything and what it all yeah. what it all come down to yeah. there's two sides of every story and everyone knows sure. if you guys call me all like i i am a homer but i also and everyone knows i'm not very i don't really like dana white but it's it just comes down to like i i'm someone's going to tell you the truth the truth is is the UFC Dana and Lorenzo and those guys—they kind of had a reason to not like Frank because Frank had done some stuff in the very beginning. And and I agree with Frank not wanting to go now because they could have done it to it. They could have brought him in earlier. Yep. I mean, there's there's two sides to both every sides. story. Both yeah, sides. Both yep. of them. Both of them fucked each other. And, now <laughs> and you know and that's kind of uh. where we're at. Um, well, hey guys, this was a lot longer show than we thought because there was a ton of news when we started this show that we didn't expect to have coming up. And I know there's probably a lot more dropping before Saturday. Um, We will talk about doing our Saturday show. Um, Holidays are going to be in the way. But I think, John, you got family visiting and stuff. And then, you know, I want to see. But I think Saturday's probably, we'll probably still do the show on Saturday. Gian, you free Saturday? Yep. Yep. Okay. And I think podcast Dave comes back next week. So we get rid of Gian. Out of here, buddy. (laughs) He's going, thank God. I don't have to spend time with you again. Hey, guys. So go to (laughs) ProWrestlingTees.com slash in. Use the promo code FIGHT to get twenty percent off. One of these, get one of those. That's our home improvement version of that shirt. I love that shirt. Um, <laughs> that's podcast Dave leaning over the fence. He's like the for, he's like the version of Wilson in the show Wilson. Home Improvement. Um, if you guys want, when you guys look in, when you guys look at that shirt, you guys buy that shirt. Look at how small John's hands are, okay? Because that was one of the things that he <laughs> hated about uh-huh. the shirt, but. <laughs> Got little tiny hands, it man. Was, I don't it have was, little tiny hands. It was fan art. So we we want to <laughs> we want to say thanks to the fans that sent us in the art. We were able to put it onto a shirt. We thank you guys. Uh, but go to prowrestlingtees.com slash Wayne in. Use the promo code fight. You guys can pick up any of the shirts we have. We have a new um Terminator version as well. We've got also a new black and white version of our logo tee that John wore last show. I like it. Yep. And uh, another, a bunch of new shirts that are up there as well. So we want to thank you guys for tuning in. We want to thank you guys. Also, this week, we've got a ton of uh, people reaching out to us, talking about the Dana White uh, in the us in the video. We thank you guys for that. As well as I saw on Twitter, we've had several fans reposting a lot of our clips. We love that. Keep sharing our clips. Keep telling people to uh, subscribe, follow and subscribe us, please. Hit the thumbs up in the YouTube section that shares our videos as well. Not only that, but that, That puts our videos out to all the other people that listen to other podcasts that are MMA related. And that's what helps grow our program. Um, We've grown uh, almost 2,000 subscribers in the last two weeks. So we want to thank you guys for that. John, what else do you got?
0: Just welcome to
1: all the new listeners.
0: We do have, again, I want to just put it out there, mybookie.ag or .com. Go on there. You like betting on fights. We sometimes talk about the odds and stuff like that of what we believe is a good pick and whatever we believe go the opposite way and you'll probably be a winner but the last thing I have to say to everyone out there Merry Christmas Happy Hanukkah Kwanzaa all that good stuff I hope your holidays are fantastic and from the weighing in crew see ya